to another episode of the Red Arrow Health and Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Marco, with my lovely co-host, Jessica. How's it going, Jessica? <laughs> it's good. <laughs> it's going. How are you, Marco? Um, better than you, I Pro- guess. That is probably true. Physically less it's- hurt right now. Yep. You are all kinds of beat up. Yeah, my job comes with some... Occupational hazards. Yes, there's definitely a risk of boo-boos in my line of work. Just a few. Mm-hmm. Just a few. You are covered in bite marks and bruises, and it was a rough... Do I still have a bruise on my cheek today? I, I don't know. You have a little um, screen thing in front of your face right now, and I haven't been home much either, so... <laughs> I actually haven't seen much of you. Nope. But uh, it was a rough a rough end of the week for you. It was. All the the glamour of uh, a behavior analysis job. Yeah, it happens. It's not a big deal. Like, no. you know what you're getting into when you go into this. Field, right. Especially with this particular population. But it is what it is. And Monday is going to be a brand new week and it's going to be fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. Well, before we dive any more into this week, uh, it does sound like you've had the kind of week where you could use a drink. For sure. <laughs> so what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking a bourbon old fashioned made with Woodford. Nice. It's delicious. Awesome. What are you having? I am having, I went classic tonight. Uh, so I've got a Manhattan Ooh. with rye whiskey. That's snazzy. It is snazzy. I even went with the garnishes. I got the See orange that. twist in there for the garnish. I've got the cherry in there, the bourbon soaked cherry. Awesome. So yeah, uh, it's been a week. Not quite the week you had, but uh, it has been a week. So <laughs> darling, cheers. Cheers. All right, so that was how your week ended. Mm-hmm. How was your week overall? My week overall was fantastic. You get a lot of workout in, did you? Oh, we're talking about workouts? No, then my week was a crap storm for workouts. But you know what's exciting? What's that? My back doesn't hurt anymore. So if you, I can just... I'll say you didn't do anything aggravated, but you went to work, so... <laughs> if I can figure out how to work exercise into my daily schedule again, I am ready to go. It was working out great when you were getting up early to do it, but now you're getting up just as early, and for the past week, you've been in at the office yeah. an hour earlier, so the extra time you had to work out and shower and everything has just gone into going to the office early. You've actually been late every day, too. Yeah. And it's part of just... It is what it is. There's a transition. You're taking over for somebody else and... Learning yeah. all new systems. Oh, yeah. yeah what cracks me up is... Uh, and it's a little bit frustrating too. It's like, I know that you could do this all by hand in Excel. I can. Uh, in lightning <laughs> speed. And, but you got to learn how to u- work the graphing program du jour. Yeah. And I have to, to have it... all of my things signed off on right now, which That's is hilarious. really funny so to hilarious. me. I mean, it's fine. I don't mind doing it. I'm happy to do it. They want to make sure that it's done. Well, it is an appropriate to their procedure expectations. to you know, make sure everything's done and on the up and up, especially since you're new, but it's still kind of right, hilarious. And we want to keep our munchkins safe. Um, yeah. So it's totally fine. It's just something else that takes time. That's all. It's not a big deal. Yeah. How has your week with exercise been going? See, I specified the exercise Oh, there. well, my week in terms of exercise has been in the toilet. Well. Uh, I got to go play hockey, and that's it. Hey, at least you got to go play hockey. I got to go play hockey. We we had the draft. We started the season. We got everything going. Uh, it's It's been interesting, including the first night, the second game of the night. We have a clipboard where we keep all the score sheets, and I, go, I print them, I put them out there. I played in the first game. Second game, captain went... And gave it to one captain. He wrote down all the new who has what jersey to start out. 
and subs and whatnot, handed it back to the captain who had to keep track of it because we don't have scorekeepers. I mean, that would mm-hmm. drive up the price. So the the captain, whoever's the home captain, keeps the score sheet and fills it out. Yeah. Set it on the bench uh, by the water bottles on an angle, and he had it, uh, I believe, face down or like face in on an angle like a teepee. And when he put it down and bumped it, the clippy part of the clipboard released and all the papers went down. And normally they'd just be caught on that little ledge that holds the water bottles. Yeah. Except for there's some spots where there are openings in that ledge, just the way the rink was put together. Mm-hmm. And this was one of those spots. And down we go. All the score sheets for all his game and all the remaining games after him. Um, <laughs> down between the boards. Great. Yeah. All in all, though, that was the biggest hiccup of the weekend, which is great. But, you know, there's still, of course, as... The world turns with Corona. That's of course, the world turns. there's players who want to chime in with their politics. And it's like, mm-hmm. look, check your politics at the door or at your inbox when you're trying to send something to me. I don't care. Whatever the rink policy, whatever USA hockey policy is, all that, we're just going to go with. We don't have special Corona rules at the league. It's just like, and, for, and I told the captains too, I'm like, for Corona, whatever rink policy is, that's our policy. For sure. We're not making extra stuff. There's enough rules out there already. But of course, there's like, well, you know, we live in Michigan. So the governor's policies, you know, got shut down by the Michigan Supreme Court. We can shower again. I'm like, no, we can't because the rink policy is the showers are closed. They have big caution tape across it. Honestly, you can all still go home to shower. Yeah, we live all live like, by finding really a way. It's not a big deal. Um, but don't waste the commissioner's time with this nonsense because it's like, I'm not taking a stance on it. Yeah. We are going to follow rink policy. That's rink policy. And the Michigan Supreme Court didn't shoot down rink policy by the put in place by the rink managers. So deal with it. Yeah. So there was deal that. Deal with it. Uh, we've also had our kids have been sick. Yeah. They've not got with corona. some sort of bug. It's not coronavirus. It's the bug so going around. Clear. Luckily, it doesn't come with a fever, uh, but it is, it's essentially a he- head cold. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of a lot of snot, a lot of phlegm, a lot of it post uh, nasal drip going down the back of their throats and gagging them. Yeah, it's gross. Kid four was choking on it and puked twice on me yesterday morning with after having chocolate milk. Kid number one puked this morning while you guys were gone. Oh, gross. Yeah, she's the one. She that made, made it to the bathroom. She though, made so it the whole week without fine. catching anything, but it comes on quick and mm-hmm. it lasts about two days with a little like dry cough at the you know where it's choking you. For the yep. next two days after that. So really four days and you're done with it. Kid three had it first, gave it to kid two. Makes sense. They share a room. Mm-hmm. Kid four caught it because kid four is a three-year-old and can't stay away from her brothers. She likes to love on people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and kid one has been helping with kid four. And sure enough, she caught it. Um, somehow I've managed to avoid it. Maybe because I'm not touching my face and I'm washing my hands almost to an OCD level. Mm-hmm. So... Yay. Yay. So there was that. And then like commissioner Here stuff is. and cross country. We had a little cross country drama going on this week. I don't want to really get into it, but it's kids being kids and learning how to grow and have strong character. And uh, when dealing with that, I mean, it's coach life. Coach life. Coach life. It's, coach more, life. it's more than teaching them how to run. It's also how to be decent human beings. And I feel like when you say coach life, you should be on a boat wearing sunglasses. With like a giant purse? With a giant drink in your hand. Oh, that's it. Coach life. Coach life. If only that was the coach life. Wouldn't that be great? Coach Dan would love that. Mm-hmm. I did some, I put up some post about coach life on the Instagram, uh, our Instagram account, <laughs> the Instagram with the YouTubes and everything. <laughs> the YouTube yeah. and the internet. The Instagram. And he's like, so that's what the coach life is? I've been doing it wrong. <laughs> 
I don't even remember what it is at this either. point. But, oh, it has been quite a week. It's been miserable. And we also are transitioning our podcast from uh, Sunday morning posts to Monday posts. We held over the last episode, so it technically will drop the same time this one does. We'll just give it a twofer. Part of that was it just makes life easier with your new schedule, not trying to get these done. It gives us a little buffer. If we can't get them done at the end of the week, we can at least do it on Saturday, which then gives me some time so my Saturdays aren't all completely gone Yeah, to do post edits and whatnot, put the music in, which is all super boring. But anyway, our our episode 32 and then this one, episode 33, are going to drop at the exact same time. Drop it like it's hot. They are hot. These are hot takes, hot tracks. Yeah. It'll be awesome. And this one works out well because this will be a good episode since our last mm-hmm. episode. If in the event that I have a runner listening to my uh, one, like my high school runners or middle school runners listening to this, mm-hmm. this will be a good episode for them. Maybe definitely not the last episode. For sure not. Last episode was autumn cocktails. Yeah. Don't listen to that, kids. It's Give not it to for your you. parents. Your parents need an autumn cocktail at this point in the cross country season. <laughs> tonight will be will be fun and entertaining uh actually the parents will really get a kick out of this and if you are not a high school runner you'll enjoy this you'll one enjoy anyway it for sure <laughs> i don't even sure if the high school runners will enjoy it but it's i whatever. don't know i feel like we've got some funny stories in there they we might get do. a kick out of we do certainly we do mm-hmm. all right let's cheers one more time and Cheesies. get into it so your old-fashioned my manhattan whiskey drinks go Jessica, what are we talking about tonight? Tonight, we are talking about epic fails. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yes, it is the epic fail episode because it's easy to sit here and tutor our own horn and talk about how amazing we are and all the great things we've done. But honestly, it's a lot of fun, too, to talk about all the times we have just completely failed. Oh, yes. So we we're going to go through a list of are epic fails in a variety of categories, whether it's exercise or parenting or professionally. Yep. Let's go through all those fails and just to have fun with it. And if this helps whoever's listening feel a little bit better about themselves, mm-hmm. mission accomplished. And if it makes us feel a little bit better about how the week we had and going, well, it could have been worse because it has been worse. It's true. It'll make us feel better. So it's a win, 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 win all the way around. Yep. Winning. So first up, what is your epic fail for running and or racing? I feel like I have a few. And we can even <laughs> go way back into high school. No, where that's no fun. I know it's no fun where I was running and I had a coach who never taught me form. Oh. All he did was like, he came out in his khakis and his polo from teaching, told us what we were supposed to do, and then went back in. And then maybe, maybe if we were lucky, he'd be out driving around in his car and just yell some things out the window that we couldn't hear over the loud uh, V8 engine in his I guess it was an Oldsmobile or Buick or something. Wait, were they $10 khakis? You know what? It was way back when, so they might have been $10 khakis, not the uh, not the Jim Harbaugh <laughs> $10 khakis. But most of the time, he like didn't even pay attention when we were out running. Uh, definitely nice. didn't teach us form and would be yelling things about pace when we were running races. And it's like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. You never tell me what my total time is. You never tell me my mile time. You just say, you're off pace. I'm like, well, what the hell is my pace? Mm-hmm. But as I was running and never taught me any form and very few human bodies are exactly symmetrical. And I found this out in trying to diagnose this problem. I ended up all over the state, ended up actually on a a 
a table with a metal ruler in it and etchings in it. And they were taking x-rays of my bones to measure the bones. And one leg is a few millimeters longer than the other. And there's, and actually one thigh is longer than the other. And then the lower leg compensates a little bit, but the net difference is about two millimeters. It's enough though, where with all the running we were doing and we were doing 10 mile runs some days, it was putting a lot of pressure on my knee and because I was also running wrong and I had one foot that would go pigeon-toed, it would just twist and jerk and mess with my knee. Ouch. So, yeah, that to me was kind of a fail. But that's not my story. <laughs> that's good. That wasn't very funny. No, it wasn't very funny. My story is in adult life. So I signed up for a triathlon. I was very much looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. It was just north of here in South Haven. And it was the South, Be- the South Beach Triathlon. And I signed up for the Kai Tri, and I was so excited about this because after kayaking in a few inland lakes, it's like, ooh, it's boring, it's flat. I had been practicing out on Lake Michigan. I've been practicing in a variety of conditions, and I've you know, my kayak uh, is great in, relatively speaking, You don't there's conditions where you just don't want to be in a boat and be out on the water. But mm-hmm. the, the standard kind of rollers I had been working with, the standard chop I had been working with, uh, flat conditions, and it's just more scenic and more fun, and I was excited for this. Well... Weather conditions are coming in, so the first thing they do about 48 hours before the race is they change it from, they cancel all the water events. No swimming, no kayaking. So now it's a duathlon. Like, crap. That's just more running, which is my least favorite part of the triathlon. I mean, I'll do it. And I'm a cross-country coach and a track coach, so I'm not opposed to running. But it's like, you just eliminated my favorite part, the paddling, and replaced it with my, relatively speaking, least favorite part. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we've got rain and everything coming in. So I get up at 4 a.m. and I'm loading the car and I'm putting my bike on top and we drive up to South Haven for this race. Yes, me and the kids were also there. Oh, yes. And lightning's coming down and I'm unloading the car with lightning coming on or down around us. Mm-hmm. And as I'm going through everything, getting ready to put my stuff in transition, I realize, where are my cycling shoes? Like, And I have, I clip into my bike. Mm-hmm. And it's like, crap so i'm there standing in the rain and the lightning with my stuff unloaded no shoes it's like how am i gonna pedal this bike how am i gonna clip in i don't have my shoes so you look luckily we i like getting there early so you were turned around and you're running back and back home to go get my shoes hopefully they have them there so you can toss them to me in transition in time for the race Meanwhile, I'm watching more lightning come across and it's pouring down rain and i'm looking at the setup and at this setup location Transition is down by the beach, mm-hmm. and you come out of transition, and you go immediately go uphill on the bike. Fine, not a problem. Coming back in on the bike to go transition, it's the same transition location. Into the run, though, is downhill with an immediate hairpin turn, and I'm looking where the turn is, and it's completely flooded, <laughs> and I got skinny tires. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, this isn't happening, and I'm looking at the radar. I'm like, this isn't blowing through either. And I go to them, I'm like, are you guys calling the race? They're like, absolutely not. We're still going to do this. We think it's going to blow through. I'm like, your transition area is, everyone's standing in water. Your pivot turn, you're coming down this very steep hill and doing a hairpin turn in water on skinny tires? It's not happening. And I don't, I'm like, I don't think it's going to clear out. So <laughs> you were about halfway home, I'm like, call up and say, Come back and get me. There's lightning coming down, and I'm just calling it. <laughs> and I had already done one race in the rain already that summer. You had. Uh, and at least that one was just that rain. That was just rain, though. There was no thunderstorm aspect and to it. And I remember coming down a hill at 29 miles an hour, 
looking at the bottom of the hill, seeing I had to make a 90 degree turn and it was completely flooded because I'm watching a cop and his feet like disappeared into the puddle. I'm like, oh, I'm going to die because <laughs> I'm at the top of the hill going 29 and I'm picking up speed as I go down and my glasses were fogging up because the the temperature was quickly dropping and it was just it was a hot mess. So I'm going to call my my running racing feel going to a triathlon and forgetting my clip in biking shoes. <laughs> what a mess. And especially really I, I'm, the, I'm the organized guy. I'm the lay it all out the night before guy. Sure enough, they were right where I had laid them out the night before. Yep. In the garage next to the car. Away from everything else that you had laid out. Yeah. How about you? What is your uh, running racing fail? And you know what? We've talked about when you signed up for a triathlon and it was your first one and we (laughs) showed up late and transition was a half mile from check-in and all that. We've talked about that like I think twice already. Yeah. So don't give us that one. Okay. I have a different one. Good. I make a lot of mistakes when I'm in races, and that's okay, because the point is, is I show up, and I work through it, and I do it anyways. Um, but this one was at uh, Try the Creek. Mm-hmm. And I like that I, one, by the way. It's beautiful. It's, Other than the, the water, is like, what it's was kinda, it? It's kind of, there's like an algae, like a duck eating, like an algae that ducks really like to eat. I mean, put it this it way. It doesn't eat the ducks. It's fine. The the year that we had the the DNR report, well, it's okay. The the algae is at an acceptable level for us to have the race. Yeah. And they put a timing pad near the shower, so if you got out of the water while you're racing to transition, you could actually clock out, shower, and clock back in. It honestly, it really was, was gross. The algae really wasn't a problem. Okay. It was fine. Anyways, we show up to this race, and you and I were both doing it, and I think it was your actual first full regular triathlon. Like it, you yeah. were swimming it. Um, and I was doing the aqua bike version, so I was swimming and I was biking. And I had done a few before, and I felt relatively confident. I fem- I remember feeling relatively pumped up and excited that we were going to do this together, and it was a beautiful morning, and the lake was nice and calm, and it was warm. So everything... People were testing it out, and they're coming out of the water with their flesh still attached. Exactly. It was awesome. Like, the algae wasn't really an issue. Everything was as pretty much as perfect as you can get. So I get in the water... When it's time to race and I got about, I don't know, halfway through and then I had a massive panic attack, like full on flailing in the water, arms up in the air going, lifeguard, I need to be saved. Help me, help me. (laughs) So the lifeguard comes over and like you're allowed with this particular company that we were doing the race with, you're allowed to hang on to the side of the lifeguard's jet ski. Or paddleboard, for, as yeah, long as you're not making is, forward motion. Whatever it is that they're on, you're allowed to hang on to it, and you can hang on to it for as long as you need to, as long as you are staying still. So I was hanging on to the side of this boat, and I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm having a panic attack, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And they were like, it's okay, just breathe, you're going to be fine, don't worry, this happens to everybody. And so, I don't know, a few minutes pass and I get back in the water and I start swimming again and then somebody swam past me and they like splashed me in the face and I completely flipped out again so sorry I'm waving my arms around as I'm telling the story so I call the lifeguards by the way we we had our gene or genetic testing done yeah and while you have no Italian yeah after it's totally a learned behavior well I say after over 20 years of being in a relationship with me you've definitely learned to speak (laughs) with your hands yeah so um, I'm hanging on, like the lifeguard came back and was like, oh, it's you again. Okay, just hang on. Don't worry. Breathe. It's going to be fine. And I'm like gasping, gasping for breath. And I was about 
I don't know, 10 seconds away from just calling it quits in the water because I was so freaked out and convinced that I was going to drown. And if you get extracted, that's it. You're done. Yeah, they won't let you continue if you can't finish the swim part. So I'm hanging on to this this jet ski, and then you show up. And you're swimming, and you're like, come on, Jess, it's not that far. You can do it. And I was like, shut up, Marco, I'm going to (laughs) die. You know what? Actually, I don't think this was our first one. I think this was the one where I did a kai try. And oh, were you in a kayak? I was on a kayak and I was finishing my uh, several mile kayak and I was coming in. And I just happened to notice you were there amongst all the other people with the same colored caps. But you have, I know the color of your suit mm-hmm. and that kind of cued me in. And of course, I'm elevated because I'm in a kayak. I'm like, come on, Jessica. And you're like, shut up, Marco. There's a lot of screaming. Yeah, I'm sure the a... lifeguards were like trying really oh, hard were, not to laugh. They were at laughing, me. and the people that I was kayaking against were cracking up. Um, right. So, like, you finished. I was still hanging on to the side of the jet ski when you finished, and that pissed me off. Well, you were swimming when and, I saw you. Mm, no, I wasn't swimming. Oh, I thought. No, I absolutely wasn't swimming. Anyway. Anyways, I mustered my strength and I finished the swim part, and I was and like, you "Catch! You went to go yes. catch up." I got out of the water and I was like, thank God the water part is over. I didn't quit. I can get on my bike and just finish this goddamn race and be done with it. So we go to transition and I hop on my bike and I'm like, sweet, almost there. I'm on my bike. Here I go. It's like 15 miles. I can do that. It's fine. I get on my bike and I go about 50 feet out of the start gate for biking and the chain falls off of my gear on my bike. Like, completely falls off and somehow manages to get a knot in it. Um, and get wedged between the yeah, frame just, the and whole, the assembly. It and... was so unbelievably screwed up. So I, like, hop off my bike and I was like, oh, my God. I have to put the chain back on my on my gears. Oh, my God. I don't even know how to do that. So I'm sitting on the side of the road <laughs> with my bike and I'm, like, desperately yanking on this chain trying to get it out. And you were yanking the chain. <laughs> and um, some, like person took pity on me and they were like oh you need help okay i'm gonna help you and so then that guy was yanking on the chain trying to put it back and it wasn't budging and he goes oh i can't get it i'm gonna have to leave you now because i need to finish the race so okay bye so i i sat there some more and like i was crying at this point because i really wanted to finish this race And then the guys on the truck showed up. I just want to eat some waffles and wear a medal. The guys on the truck showed up. There's like a truck that drives around to help stranded bike cyclists. They do a good job with that. And yeah, it's really nice. And so the guy in the truck like hopped out and he goes, okay, it's it's fine. I can totally fix this. I fix this all the time. No problem. And I was like, oh, thank God you're here. And so he's yanking on the chain and he pulls out tools and he's like looking at it and he goes, oh, I don't think I can fix this. This is this is really bad. You're going to have to go back to transition. And I was like, no, I have to finish the race. I had a panic attack in the water. This is the best part. I have to finish. He goes, I can't fix this for you. If you walk back to transition, walk back. They weren't even going to take me in the truck. Then they can probably fix it for you there because they have more tools. And then he hopped in the truck and drove away. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm walking my broken bike back to transition, which is 50 feet away. So... (laughs) That's why you do an aqua bike, or at least we're doing an aqua bike at that one and not the full triathlon. Because 50 feet apparently is a long ways away. Yeah. (laughs) Forget the, like, that one, it's an almost four mile run and it's a trail run. I walked back to transition and I was like hysterically crying. (laughs) And the guy was like, oh no, your bike broke. And it's like, I know, can you fix it? And he looked at it and he goes, 
no, I can't fix it. Nobody here can fix it. You have to take this to a bike shop. You have to turn in your little radar thingy, and that's the end of the race for you. Timing chip? The timing chip. I wish it was radar. (laughs) That would be kind of (laughs) cool. Even like your satellite chip that could do live tracking or something? Yeah. You have to turn that in, and that's it for you. You don't finish. And I was like, what do you mean I don't finish? Does that mean I don't get my medal? And he said, yes, you don't get to finish. You don't get the finishers medal. That's the end for you. Did they let you have waffles? Or did you feel like you didn't you know what? Wa- waffles because you were so upset? I was so upset. And then you finished and you were like totally psyched about the whole thing. And I was a mess. And I went and got waffles anyways. So because <laughs> I was the, just uh, like, I deserve waffles. I endured this. The the bike on that one uh, goes out and it's just an out and back route. Yeah. So it it's doubles back really on itself. It's flat. It's beautiful. So it's you perfect. get to see pretty much everybody. Unless they're, you know, even if they're way ahead of you, you're going to see them coming back unless they're really far ahead or really far behind so i'm like how did i just complete this whole like 15 mile bike ride and not see my wife because i wasn't that far ahead of her when i came in on my kayak right and and then i go through transition i go out on my run i go do my four mile run you know they said it's like oh it's it's a little over three miles no you know try a few hundred like a couple hundred meters shy of a four mile but yeah you know. And I didn't realize like how hilly the trails were. I'm like, because we looked around where transition is like, this isn't so bad. Mm-hmm. Whew, those are some rough <laughs> trails. But you know what? It was really scenic, really pretty. And once you got away from the stinky lake, because back in the woods where there's no breeze <laughs> and you get just uh, the smell of the algae, it was like, oh my God, it smells like oh, I'm in a porta potty. It was only for a little bit. The rest of the run was really good. People were very encouraging, loved it. But I'm like thinking like, where the hell is my wife? Yeah. And then I, I finish uh, and actually ran one of the other coaches at the school I coach at uh, was there. Her son was doing the triathlon. So I saw her. She's like, she's like, yeah, it took me a while to figure out who you were because like, you know, I'm not in the context of cross country coach. Mm-hmm. I'm out there with my headband and all my like tri gear on. She's like, what? Oh, but then I finished in. There was my wife not looking happy. Nope. 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 There was more to that fail story, too, where my dad and I tried to fix your bike because I figured oh. he's got all the tools. He's the man with all I mean, the bikes. he fixes his bikes all the time. I had he's a merit badge. He's constantly taking them apart and putting them back together. I had a merit badge. Actually, I have the merit badge Jesus. from Boy Scouts in bicycle maintenance. Never mind that I forgot that I don't have the tools. So then we made a bigger mess of it, and we ended up taking it to the bike shop, and it cost about $150 to fix your bike. Yep. Never mind all the grease stains we put on your white seat and white uh, grips on your handlebars. Yep. 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 My pretty little bike covered in stains. Yeah. My bike is adorable, by the way. But we've talked Your about bike it is adorable. We don't need to go into that, but it is adorable. <laughs> Let's move on to another <laughs> okay. fail story and keep this moving. Oh, right. Let's go to teaching. Oh, Lord. <laughs> we'll mix up the exercise and everything with, you know, we have both in our throughout our careers had opportunities where we are teachers. So we'll go with you first on this one, Jessica. What is your epic teaching fail? Oh, my God. It's so good. (laughs) (laughs) So you you were teaching a section of Rat Lab at Florida State. I taught a lot of sections of Rat Lab at Florida State. Yeah, but this particular year you were teaching some section of Rat Lab. Technically, they were conditioning and learning lab. But with a rat. Yeah, it was Rat Lab. So it's Rat Lab. Anyways, you had, I think you were going to IRB that day for your thesis, maybe? Uh... 
No, it was either thesis or dissertation. No, it must have been thesis because I had to go so many times. Yeah. And, and for those of you who don't know, IRB is Institutional Review Board and especially the subdivision of Human Subjects Committee. Mm-hmm. If you, you do research, and especially if you're working with human subjects or animal subjects, you have to go in and get it reviewed by a panel of experts from a variety of fields and members of the community to make sure what you're doing is on the up and up and all your procedures are there. And usually they do these things and it's almost like a rubber stamp. I mean, they go through it and it's like, fine. Apparently this study I was doing, they were all panicked about, there was a traffic safety study and they were afraid there would be road rage and people would get out of the car. And like, we weren't even really intervening on anything. We were just doing observations of human behavior, but they were afraid that like, People were going to get out of the car with baseball bats and attack my observers who were Which, riding in the back of the car. Like the driver would drive and the observers were in the back seat. And we were only taking data when stopped at red lights. During your probe sessions for that, by the way, yeah. everybody that we flashed the, oh, the intervention did, to, like that was they the original idea. It was, was hilarious. It was. And they all played along. Please buckle up. I care. Yeah. And if they did it, you flipped the sign and said, thank you. And that was the person riding shotgun who had mm-hmm. the sign. Or. Please hang out by a care if they were on a phone. Mm-hmm. Like the worst thing that happened was that people read the sign and then went and then continued on with like their phone call. Yeah. Uh, my favorite was Road like rage. we had a we had a cop who was stopped and he was on a cell phone and leaning over to his, uh, his CB, whatever, police radio on his other shoulder clipped onto his epaulet. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there was no problems. And we actually had the police department was in favor of us until one of the IRB members called up and cashed in some favors and was against us. And yeah, that was fun. So I had to go to a lot of IRB meetings to try to get my research through, which eventually did because obviously I finished. Mm-hmm. But one of those I was supposed to teach, mm-hmm. and it was Rat Lab, and you were an outstanding Rat Lab student. When I was you were great Western in Rat Michigan. Lab. I love Rat Lab. It is and so much fun. You were an amazing behavior analyst. That's so sweet. I'm like, if I needed a good sub, ta-da! I got you. Right. So you convinced me to do this, and I was like, cool. I'm gonna teach Rat Lab, and you like. You prepped everything for me and you prepped your students for what they were could reasonably expect from me. And you told me exactly what to do. There was a quiz and then we were to bring out their rats and then we we're to teach them something. I don't even remember what it was because they had to continue on with their series of experiments and they have them all laid out for them. Yeah, so when they finish one, they just start the next one. It, yeah. It and was, they work in groups. Whereas at Western, to, we had to work by ourselves. Yeah. So the rats basically had to push a lever so many times in a row this particular day wasn't like a big deal so the kids all take the quiz and i collected the quizzes and then i was like okay so now it's time for the rats and everybody went and got their rats and i was like today you're doing blah 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 with your rats this is how you should do it you guys are using fruity pebbles for reinforcers that's great your rats are nice and hungry for you everything should go according to plan so I'm, you know, making laps around the room and I'm checking in with all the groups of students to see how they're going. In a hushed tone so you don't distract right, the I rats. I didn't want to like upset the rats. You have to be very calm around them and quiet because they're skittish. Indirect lighting too because rats are it was, nocturnal. It was dark so in over, there. Overhead lights are off and under the tables we had lamps yeah. that shine down at the floor so there's enough light to see and write your notes and everything. So um, It's like mood lighting for college students. Yeah. So... <laughs> This one particular group of students comes up to me and they're like, Jessica, our rat is not pushing the lever. It's not doing anything. It's just sitting in the box, sitting, not moving. And I was like, oh, you just need to snuggle your rat. And they looked at me like I was completely batshit crazy. And I was like, and I looked at them like they were crazy for never hearing this before. And I was like, 
they they go, what do you mean you, we need to snuggle the rats? And I was like, you idiots, pick up your rat and give it a cuddle. Like, put it on your chest and be like, oh, little rat, nice little rat, come on. And then put it back in the box and see what happens. So, disclaimer, at Western. Well, where, backstory. Yeah. At Western, where I first took Rat Lab and got trained on how to do all of this with an animal, the rats were handheld. They were they were used to being handled by humans. They sort of expected it. When you start the semester, the first lesson is actually you bond with you your rat. You have to pair with your rat. Like, if you're not afraid to touch the rat, you can't do the class. And no, people, that's not true. They do systematic desensitization they do, on you, but and if you're you not, do the class. you're not willing to do that, you're out. That's true. Because you have to bond with your rat, and that is the method. If your rat's not performing, <laughs> just take your rat out. If your rat's showing signs of stress... Bond with your rat, cuddle your rat. It's fine. You give it a snuggle. The other thing there, too, is they're reinforced with water there. Yeah. Down at Florida State, they were reinforced with food, in which case it was supposed to be fruity pebbles, but the the instructors had to pay for it, and we were broke, so we always use... I think we used dino... fruity pebbles. Yeah, it was the knockoff bottom shelf (laughs) stuff, like dino fruity bites, but it was fruity pebbles. Yeah. Uh, And uh, the other thing is they don't cuddle the rats there. They're They're not handheld, so... Well, I mean, you pick it up from its home cage and you put it right. in its operant chamber and back and that you have to pick it up. You can wear gloves if you want, but you don't cuddle the rats. Okay. So they're like, you don't understand. And I was like, you guys are, you guys are pansies. So I'm going to show you how to <laughs> snuggle your rat. Okay. And so I walk over to the Skinner box and there's this cute little rat sitting in the box. Absolutely not moving. And I was like, okay, hand me your rat. And this this boy like reached in there and he grabbed this little rat by the tail and he started to pull it out and I was like, No! That is not how you pick up the rat. You scoop your rat up. That is totally how they're taught to do it at Florida okay, State and not how we did at Western. At if you Western, did at Western, you would have gotten in trouble. For sure, because that's like animal abuse. Yeah. Um, but you failed to mention that to me. So I was like, No, absolutely not. And it's not by the tip of the tail, it's the base it's of the, the tail. But, I mean, still, it's by the tail. Look, that's how the training down there and their animal protocol okay. says to do it. I understand that, but you did not tell me that. No, so I'm I was thinking freaked in terms out by another meeting that my whole research <laughs> and my academic and professional career hinged on. In terms on. of like my experience, we scoop and then we snuggle our rats. Okay. So like somebody I, needs to make a t-shirt that says scoop and snuggle <laughs> with a rat on it. I prevented the student from picking up his rat that way. And I was like, you need to scoop him under his belly and then you need to hold him close and pet his fuzzy little head and tell him nice things. Okay. Look at his beady little red eyes. And like, I don't think I stuck around. I know I didn't stick around to watch this happen. I just gave them instructions and I was super serious about it. And I was like, I'm kidding. You stand there and you bond with that rat and then you put it back in the box. Okay. And they were like, okay, psychotic woman. Um, so I went and did another lap around the classroom and suddenly these students like all started screaming and there was a whole lot of commotion. I was like, oh my God, what's happening? What's wrong? And they were like, our rat got loose. And I was like, what do you mean the rat got loose? Somebody shut the door right now because <laughs> the door was open. What the hell was the door doing open? Protocols to keep it shut. Again. These are one- laboratory mice. And laboratory mice, they were bred for this purpose. And, they're, and actually we get them new and we train them this stuff. And then when we're done, they go to the medical college and the neuroscience people because then they do their, oh, we're going to inject them with drugs or we're going to damage part of the brain and see how they behave and whatever they do. We just teach them skills, okay. but you can't unlearn it. So then, so the door, you didn't tell me the door had to be yeah. shut. And honestly, I didn't think about it, which is stupid because the door was for sure shut at this Western. This is definitely a Marco bringing oh. a substitute teacher fail. 
<laughs> so like the door got slammed shut and I was like, everybody stop what you're doing and find the rat that's loose in the lab. And like students are losing their shit. <laughs> there is a rat on the loose. Never mind the fact that they've been touching their own rats all semester and it was fine. <laughs> so finally, I found the rat. And I scooped it up and I was like, we're going to snuggle. And the rat is losing its shit because it's never been snuggled before. But I didn't know that. And I was like, this rat is really squirrely. This is weird. And the group of students were like, yeah, our box is over there. And so since this thing didn't want to snuggle me, I was like, oh, it hasn't paired with me. That's fine. I'm just going to plop it back in the box. So I was like, rat, you need to perform. And then I like plopped it in the box. And then I was like, okay, we found the rat. Everything is fine. People go back to your to your experiment. It's fine. And so, like, I'm rotating around the room, and then you showed up. And I was like, oh, thank God you're here. Uh, I got to go. I have to go to work. It's time for me to go. Goodbye, students. It was really nice working with you. I'm happy we found the rat. Bye, Marco. And so I left, and then you got home that well, night. Yeah, so I arrive, and you split, and one of the students from that group comes running over, and she's like, you're your wife, your girlfriend, whoever she is, because at that point they knew that we were in a relationship. I can't remember if this was before or after we got married. Either. <laughs> uh, she is amazing. She made our, she yelled at our rat and it suddenly started performing. I'm like, what do you mean she yelled at the rat? <laughs> the rats don't speak English. We're using principles of behavior on simple creatures, you know, to. Teach them before they, you know, these students eventually graduate up to working with humans. But you start at a very simple creature. Mm -hmm. What do you mean she yelled at the rat? So then I had to come home and go, what the hell did you do? And they all think you're a god, by the way, in terms of like behavior. Yeah, because the kid goes, the rat is performing. She plopped it in the box and it went over to the lover and started going and like mushing the lover. Probably terrified. Obviously, I completely the crazy blonde woman was yelling at it. It's a true story, by the way. Like, we're not making any of this up. The rat actually did perform after being weirdly snuggled and trying to escape. Yeah. After, and then snuggled after and yelled you left, again. they finished that experiment. They finished the next experiment and they started the uh, experiment after that. Like, they made the most progress out of any group that whole term. See, you should snuggle in your rats. One, in one class. Oh, mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. So that was my epic teaching fail. And to be fair, I think I was only ever in one of your classes one other time. There were no rats involved. I though. usually didn't miss class. No, but when it, I did, and actually, I, I think you the in. other time was because you were at IRB for your dissertation. Probably. Oh, I don't know. I only went to IRB once for my dissertation because they like, oh, no problem. Oh, yeah, you're no. in airport security. You're surveilling humans in security situations. You have access to sensitive information. I'm pretty sure. Sounds good to us. I'm pretty sure that it was. Um, you were teaching a behavior analysis class, obviously, and there was some sort of big project due the next week. And I showed up and the students were like, oh, what is this? Who are you? And I was like, yeah, you guys have a poster due next week and it's supposed to look like blah, blah, blah. And they all flipped their lids and were like, we don't know who you are, but you are not Professor Tomasi and you don't know how this is. And I was like, whoa, 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 students. I am a fully licensed BCBA, fully certified BCBA. I know what I am talking about, and I know how to give a really awesome po poster presentation. If you, had, if you had your credentials, by the way, you were Professor Tomasi. <laughs> yeah. Assistant Professor Tomasi? Not the one they were used to, though. Not the one they were used to. And it was uh, it was pretty funny. You were the skinny so one. So I was like, okay, so you're going to, if you guys have questions, you're going to come down to the lab, and I'll answer them. And they all showed up, and I was like, God, there's a whole lot of kids here. I'm not getting out of here for an hour. 
But that was actually fine. Every everything was fine. Speaking of the lab, did I tell you about the time that my brother came into town because he was doing uh, some engineering project over in Panama City, and so he came up. You took picked him up and you brought him back to Tallahassee, and I had office hours, and it was right before the final exam. And mm-hmm. keep in mind, like I don't actually give tests in my classes, especially my behavior analysis class. It was just seven quizzes spaced yeah. out. And you get to drop your lowest one. So if your grade is great and you're getting every week, you're getting told what your grade is going in. Mm-hmm. And it's a, a number of points you accumulate over the, se- the semester. So if you've earned enough points for an A or you earned enough points for a B and you're good with that, you don't have to show up to the final. So my top students aren't even there anymore. Now I've got the <laughs> we're talking about the C students. And I've also told them all through this. So kids want to drop. Like at one point, the chair of the department's just like, you have one of the biggest dropout rates in the in the whole department i'm like okay she goes you also give out too many a's and b's i'm like okay so she's like what are you doing and i told her what i did and she's like never mind carry on <laughs> um so I, I it's not the cream of the crop that were there that week and they're coming in i'm like john i i, I and john's my brother i i gotta do uh office hours so in our lab it was a big long conference table and we had some rooms off to the sides then we had a couple couches in the back in the cocktail. So he's tired. He's laying on the couches. And I got these students there asking questions. And I'm doing my trying to be professional and, you know, do my professor thing. And and he, he's in the back of the room heckling them. <laughs> <laughs> Where I'm like, like, well, what's the policy on this? Well, as it says in the syllabus. Well, but what about this? And my brother's back there going, as it says in the syllabus. <laughs> if you, you know, like or something like well when was i supposed to learn all this i'm like well in chapter seven and he's like if you had read the book I'm like oh my god shut up stop heckling the dumb students <laughs> so but that's not my that's not my teaching fail what was it well i would say my teaching fail it actually spans multiple sections and multiple classes and multiple terms and that is uh, learning the hard way of when I when I give a class project and I don't properly constrain those projects, <laughs> and I, I did this um, really tw- two times, this stands out. So one was in research methods, and they had to do a project and they had to simulate a research project of some type. And one of the groups did one. They wanted to do one on feelings about uh, their feelings about their self their impressions of themselves, and then also they added the questions about what cosmetic surgery procedures have you had or do you want done? Oh, Florida State. This is Florida State. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, when I, when I read this final project, I'm like, holy crap, that's hugely personal for this level, like a, a 300-level class. Also, feelings aren't observable. They're not, but it was a survey and it was self-report, and this was not specifically a behavior analysis class. This was just a general psychology class in research methods. Okay. And then they started getting into, like, basically, they ended up ending the semester with data on how many female members of their class had um, breast augmentation surgery. They also went out and surveyed the general population and some sort of sampling technique. I can't remember anymore. It's been so long. <laughs> uh, but we basically went down to the student union and were surveying people on what they had done. Uh, by the way, number one uh, procedure they had done uh, based on their sampling, which was not ideal and not representative, but based on what they gathered, was rhinoplasty. 
Interesting. Number That's one not what I would think. By women or female uh, participants. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the guys, it was actually uh, gluteus and pectoral implants. So apparently... Where also I, not what I would have expected. It was not what I expected I either. Thinking but I was like, you know, this is TMI, and I'm thinking, oh my god, I should have constrained it. After that, when I taught sections of that class, I put you know constraints on it. I I do not want to know what percentage of my class I was teaching had ass implants or pec implants, basically boob jobs for men. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> honestly, uh, I don't want to know what percentage of my students in my class. I wish they had not sectioned out my class. They just said, of yeah, surveyed, that would that be better. better uh, but they did section out my class and also uh, in general. So we had, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, it was just TMI gets worse. You'd think I would have learned there. But when I taught future classes, I, I sectioned it out. All right, better clarified. Then uh, I was teaching the behavior analysis, the intro to behavior analysis class. I forgot the exact name of it. Uh, experimental analysis. I don't know. I've taught so many versions of that class. I forgot what it's called, but it was one of the, uh, I had taught it for a while in Tallahassee and then I got, uh, contracted to go and teach it at the undergraduate level over in Panama city. And I was warned, I was called into, uh, the deputy chair, the, who was also the head of graduate studies and oversaw graduate teaching. So I was still a grad student at this point. I was a finishing up my PhD and she's like, look, I know I've seen how you teach. I know how you teach. You do an awesome job with the typical undergraduate student on this campus. Don't change. That said, you're about to go teach undergraduates at the Panama City campus. Panama City is not what you think it is. This is a more conservative, uh, uptight group. Spring break is one month I know. in the spring. The rest of the time, they roll up the sidewalks at 10 p.m. It's, you know, when I tell people that about this Panama is, City, they are shocked. Well, and this is what that. she's telling me. I'm like, okay, I, I will mind my P's and Q's. Mm-hmm. I will behave. So I go over, I behave. I tone down my stories because I had some fun stories for the get students' attention. I had an undergraduate professor who believed mm-hmm. that if you want to get the students, te- the students' attention and let them listen to it, you need examples that are basically drug, sex, and rock and roll. I mean, this is a guy that did a PowerPoint where he took himself, who is a longstanding figure in the field, and another figure, a longstanding figure in the field, well-respected, and superimposed their heads on top of uh, S&M, leather-clad, dominatrix-style stuff, figures. So I'm like, okay, well, he had our attention when we were undergrads. For sure. I don't go that far. Nope. But he, I mean, he is right. You do have a, a small degree of shock factor to hold their attention. So I, I remove all that stuff from my teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really tone it down. I'm really straight laced. And to some degree, the uh, deputy chair was right. It is a little bit tighter laced. I mean, Panama City campus and the people who live there are not spring breakers. <laughs> nope. Spring break is something that they get a ton of money off of for one month. Yeah, so they tolerate it. They tolerate they the rest of your, it. It's really kind of mellow down there. It's very southern, traditional, very Christian values. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a there's a Air Force base right there nearby too. Yep. There's actually a naval base there too. Yeah, a friend of mine grew up there, and she was like, "Yeah, it's not like spring break at all. It's super churchy." Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that said, we were doing a uh, a task analysis assignment, and they had to go home and write a step by step. How do you break down? 
a complex behavior into the component responses one little step at a time. Like you were going to teach somebody how they didn't know how to do this. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll ruin the story right off the bat. In future classes, I put down that it had to be a daily living skill that you would teach somebody who was at a deficiency that needed help with that in a clinical setting and had to pass inspection by supervisors and state inspectors and everything. And after that, I had no problem. I got things like how to make a bag of uh, microwavable popcorn. How to how wash to hands. Wash hands. How to take out the trash. How to brush your teeth. Great. Very appropriate responses. Mm-hmm. No one would have an issue with that. What did you get this time? In the super, quote unquote, churchy Panama City area, <laughs> I got stereotypical spring break responses. I got how to roll a joint. Jesus. <laughs> and for to be clear, we're talking about marijuana, and this was way back before we started seeing legalization of pot around yeah. the country. By the it's way, this sure was illegal. out of somebody who was in Air Force uniform, <gasps> not ROTC, coming off the base. That's funny. Yeah, I got how to perform. Uh, let's say fellatio for the purpose of our podcast. Right, that's the technical name for it. I got. Uh, yeah, that one was from a oh my god, sixty-five-year-old grandmother. Ew. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> With tattoos Wait, across her knuckles. So did you have? Did they have to present these in front of the class, or was it just like oh, a written paper? Yes. Oh. <laughs> yes. 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 You did. <laughs> oh my god. I had a. I had. A, That's hilarious. It wasn't the only one, but that was grandma tattooed grandma. I also had non-tattooed grandma. Because I had more than one grandma in my class in that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like what my mom said when she got old enough. She was going to take classes at the local community college you know. for free. Just let me finish the story. Um, she was going to take local classes at the community college for free because she could. Now she hasn't done that. I was going to say, she has not done that yet because she, she wants to be not. a curve breaker. She wants to be a curve breaker. everybody else Yes, yeah, she class. does. So that's what I assume with some of these uh, people were there for. But maybe they were, you know, more than just curve breakers who were interested. Maybe they wanted another, like a third career. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I had not, so I, in my mind, because sometimes you make it, I had tattooed grandma, I had non-tattooed grandma. Non-tattooed grandma, she kept it a little cleaner, I guess. She didn't do fellatio. She did um, manual stimulation of a member of the opposite sex. Yeah. Clean grandma, or non-tattooed grandma, was the hand job grandma. Yep. Wrote a task analysis, step-by-step instructions on how to give the proper hand job. And read it off to the class and did not blush. I blushed. Half the class blushed. A quarter of the class was just sitting there nodding. Like, nodding, yeah, like, this yeah, is awesome. Preach it, Grandma. There are a few of them there taking notes, along with the fellatio one. I didn't know there was a proper way to do that. Is that written somewhere? Uh, well, the notebooks taken by some of those students. <laughs> it's like, so yeah, that was a fail as an instructor. And like I already have mentioned, uh, I made the appropriate <laughs> corrections. And um, and even my cross-country teams know now because I have a team syllabus. And it's based off of, uh, the original one was based off a of syllabus I used for class. And the cross-country syllabi are way longer than anything from my uh, graduate classes and undergrad classes, uh, undergrad classes I taught. But there's the whole fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. It's going in the damn syllabus. Yeah. For so sure. they know like some of these crazy things in the syllabus. Like, holy crap, something happened. Like some of the more experienced runners like, what the hell happened? That coach put this in the syllabus. <laughs> I mean, an example is like your, your uh, 20-year-old boyfriend cannot sign you out from a cross-country meet. 
<laughs> and like, <laughs> or, or actually, I have. <laughs> yeah, you you have to be over twenty one to sign somebody out of a meet, and uh, even if it's a significant other, and they're like, "What the hell happened?" I'm like, "Think about it, guys." They're like, did somebody's twenty year old boyfriend try to sign them out of a meet? And I'm like, "Yep." <laughs> You know, if, Actually, no, you even, might even want to modify that. Even a if you're bit. 18, I know. Well, you I, should say parental figure. Well, no, it's just you. You have to be over 21 to sign somebody out. Period. It could still be bad. Either gender. Look, if you're not 21, you shouldn't have no, a high schooler. That's not what I meant. I meant like they have to be all appro- ages. They have to be approved by their parents. Okay. I have so many protocols. The parents are so annoying. Anyways. Anyway. There's stuff in there for everything. There's like, even if you're 18, you can't sign yourself out because I ran into that one. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, um, yeah, that's my fail. Not not paying attention that's to details hilarious. and leaving the door open for hand job and blow job directions and I instructional. I would have died. I would have crawled in a hole and been like, okay, class is over. Goodbye, students. Three, it's a 300 level class. So it was for upperclassmen. Upperclassmen. And, and the average age of that class was, was. Apparently it was 65 and older. <laughs> no, it wasn't. The average was not 65 <laughs> and older. There were several 65 and overs in that class. But oh, Lord. And of course, that one I was carpooling that semester. I was carpooling with my major advisor Mm -hmm. back and forth. So he was teaching across the hall. He was teaching graduate research methods. And I was teaching undergraduate behavior analysis. And like we had, uh, I had to go out every week to Mm -hmm. teach this class. He went every other week. Uh, He had a, a class in Tallahassee, a class in Panama City. They had an interactive classroom. And then he would just flip flop campuses. So every other week he would. He would drive. I would drive to his house. He would drive me uh, out there. So we have chats. That was one of the weeks where I'm like, "Oh my god, I just totally screwed up." It's okay. We're gonna talk about that a little bit more later. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's what's uh, let's transition. Yeah. Now we are gonna talk about epic fails in the kitchen. We are talking about cooking fails. Oh, not doing the dishes fails. No, that's just too easy. Okay. What do you have for cooking? <laughs> I like to cook. Yes, I have, you're very good at it. I have liked Thank to cook God, since I was a kid. I'm not. Uh, I come like both sides of the family. I had Italian grandmas. I have a mother who is now Italian grandma who likes to cook. I had my Italian grandmothers all love to cook. And I, I was a Boy Scout and I had a non-traditional troop. And one of my leaders had a PhD in food science. So we, awesome. used to, we used to cook and bake and do all sorts of things of gourmet meals out in the woods. So while the other Boy Scouts were out there in their little tan shirts and their little handkerchiefs with hot dogs on a stick, we're doing hand-rolled tamales. And we're nice. doing surf and turf with filet mignon and lobster tails. And I want lobster tails. Of, we were always doing all sorts of stuff. That sounds good. Uh so I love to cook. And of course, my mom made the mistake when I was growing up. She's like, if you don't like what I have to, what I'm cooking for dinner, you make your own. I'm like, fine. <laughs> I will make linguine with red clam sauce from scratch. Fine. <laughs> I don't care that it's a Wednesday night and I just finished wrestling practice. <laughs> Done. See, this is why we don't allow our children to do this. Not yet. That would... No, no, that's not good. So I like to cook and you like it when I cook. Yeah. So we had some, we were living in Virginia at the time and we had some friends up from Florida and uh, we, we love seafood boils and steamers and all sorts of uh, stuff. And um, I was working late and I figured I'd jumpstart the process because at some point somebody had left a bottle of pre-made seafood boil seasoning liquid one. (laughs) 
And I'm like, all right, you know what? Uh, I don't have time to do this properly. So we'll we'll speed things up and I'll dump this stuff in with the water while it's boiling. And um, we'll, and in addition, I'm not going to use my turkey fryer setup out in the yard because it was raining and sleeting and that usual. It wasn't actually snowing, but it was just. It was basically cold crapping on it. It was cold outside. crappy weather in northern Virginia. In the, the DMV, the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. It was crap. So I put this this pre-made store-bought seafood boil liquid seasoning in with my pot and put it on the stove and cranked it up and cranked up the gas burner and let it go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't realize that this was super concentrated, like super concentrated. <laughs> so I basically made an aerosol pepper spray <laughs> and pepper sprayed everybody in the house and we we're all in there crying. It was so <laughs> bad. We couldn't even breathe. We had to go outside for hours. In the sleeting crap. <laughs> We're all packed on our porch because it was before. Like, now I've got pop-up tents in the garage and we could do something. Mm-hmm. And go out in the air. Nope. We're on the concrete and Like, under deck the pergola, which is open. We're like, just getting wet, going miserable, crying. We got the windows on the house to air it out. And, of course, it's coming out and wafting and getting us. We've got fans in the window trying to air out the house. And it's really like some sort of flashbang grenade had gone off it with all sorts horrible. of pepper. Ga- and like, we had had the police SWAT team come in and raid the place. Yeah. And then, of course, dinner tasted like this. So then once we got the air out and we did actually, I kept running back in with towels over my eyes to cook dinner (laughs) and boil it. Tasted like it had been cooked in a pepper spray or mace. Yes. What kind of seasoning is on this mace? (laughs) Oh, it was probably the worst seafood I've ever had in my life. I'm so sorry to say that to you. You say that I'm cooking seafood later. I'm so excited you're doing that. It's going to be so yummy. Well, we finished this podcast, so let's move on to your story. And I actually, well, when we were discussing this before, you've got a seafood story too, don't you, for the cooking fail? No. Oh, well, kind of. I wouldn't call it seafood. I would just call it generic, like, fish. Where are you getting your fish from, not from the sea? In or a the can. Lake. Okay, so. <laughs> Is it genetically grown in the can? Maybe. I don't know. It was Starkist. So. No. <laughs> okay, you should yeah. all probably know. My husband loves to cook. He's amazing at it. And thank God for that because I suck at cooking. There are like 10 things that I cook really, really well. And uh, at in our the very beginning of our relationship, I was not good at cooking anything. Uh the very beginning of our relationship, not good at cooking. You couldn't cook anything. I could not. And because your mother you, didn't let you near the stove that's or the exactly microwave. It. I will tell you why. My mother loves for things to be clean, especially the kitchen. And every time I said, I want to try making cookies, I want to try all of these recipes that I have had to make in um in home ec class. In middle school, like I, I wanted to make monkey bread, and my mom was like, "No, what you is can't. monkey bread? Monkey bread? Oh, I thought you said milky bread. No, monkey. You know, what monkey bread is. I right? know what monkey okay. bread is. And my mom said, "No, you can't cook. You're gonna make a mess, and then I'm gonna have to clean up the kitchen. So no, you just give me the recipe, and I'll make it for you." And I was like, "Uh, okay. Well, either way, I get to have monkey bread. So here you go." So she didn't let me cook anything. So we moved to Florida, and we move in together. And you're like, okay, well, you need to make something for dinner. And I was like, uh, yeah, okay, I'm going to make tuna fish. And you're like, great, I'll have some too. And I said, okay, that's fine. 
So I put, I drained the tuna fish out of the can. I knew to do that. And I stuck it in the, in the bowl. And then I was like, needs minis. <laughs> so I put, I didn't know. <laughs> it's so bad. So I put like a cup of mayonnaise into the can of tuna fish. This is like, a little can. Like this a is a tiny like, can. Like this a is on a Costco Sam's Club style no, can. Like this is like a little tiny can. can. Of like four ounces of tuna fish. I think it was 2.5 or 3 or whatever. Not yeah. more than four. So I was like, yeah, I need a cup of mayonnaise. Jesus, the cup <laughs> is bigger than the can. I didn't know. And I think my best friend was there for this too. Not just you. So I was trying to feed three people with this tuna fish. And, um, well, you're stre- you know, so you're stretching like, it with the mayonnaise. I put it all in and everything looked fine before I stirred it up. And then I stirred it up and I was like, this looks weird. It needs pepper. So then I dumped in like, I don't know, a crap ton of pepper. I sat there and I grinded the pepper forever. And then it was done. Until it was black on top. And then it was done. And I was like, oh, I made tuna fish soup. And... <laughs> I don't know what happened. Well, when but... you drained it too, you didn't squeeze. No, was... I did squeeze. Oh, because it was pretty watery. It was watery because it was a cup of mayonnaise. Um, I knew to squeeze. Okay. What kind of crappy mayonnaise did you use that? Miracle night? Whip because I also... Oh my God. I, we went to the grocery store. This was like right when we moved in together. My first like week in Tallahassee. And I was like, my parents use Hellman's. We're going to use Miracle Whip because we've never had it before, which is awful do not buy it it's Which disgusting is what we used when uh i was growing up was used middle miracle whip and not Ooh, hellman's not gross. real mayonnaise i didn't know you know what's so, good yummy dukes no you know what's yummy hellman's it's you know delicious. who doesn't sponsor us any of these mayonnaise of air, or fake mayonnaise companies nope, none of them nope not even julia child nope it or doesn't Paula matter Dane. that she's been so dead no forever. no butter so we had tuna fish soup that night and you were like shooting daggers at me all night and i was like i Oh, sorry, I don't know how to make tuna fish. And my best friend is going, I can't believe you don't know how to make tuna fish. Everybody knows how to make tuna fish. And I was like, well, I don't. I'll be better next time. We didn't eat tuna fish again for like over a year. It was terrible. It was terrible. But but you didn't pepper spray the whole house. I did not. It I just, just tasted like ass. It was bad. Mm-hmm. So my other epic fail <laughs> in the kitchen with cooking is... um. One of the things that I am actually really good at making is a roast chicken. Thomas Keller and Anthony Bourdain got together on Anthony Bourdain's show and they did... No reservations because yeah. he's had like a few shows. Honestly, you guys should Google it because... The Techniques. It was the Techniques special. A fantastic YouTube um, video of just this segment will pop up and it's Thomas Keller making a beautiful roast chicken. And it's step by step and it tells you everything you need to know to make it perfect. Um, and I have I have made this multiple times for a while there. We're doing it like once a week. Yeah, it's delicious. One, It's one of the things that our kids actually like, like when it goes on the menu, they see it. and They're like, oh, my God, it's mom's special kitchen. This is chicken. This is going to be so amazing. And tomorrow will be a test because it's on the menu for tomorrow. No, night. This happened a long time. I know. Ago. I know. But tomorrow it's on the menu and it's, and it's going to be test because our kids are mm-hmm. getting big enough. Yeah. We need two chickens now. We need two chickens. So it's like, can this you do two in the oven at the same time? And does it throw off the cooking? Anyway, we'll find out your story. Um, so I, I have made this a thousand times before and it always turns out great. And this one particular time, I don't know. I don't know so, if maybe it was right after I had kid number four and I was super exhausted. Uh, I went to make the roast chicken and everybody was really excited. And so I put it in the oven and I cooked it for like 45 minutes. 
and I pulled it out. The top was nice and golden brown. And I was like, sweet, it's done. It smells amazing. It's time to eat it. And you walked over and you're like, I'm going to carve the chicken. It's going to be great. And you carved into it and the inside was bright pink. And I was like, what the hell is this? And you were like, well, clearly the chicken isn't done. So put it back in the oven. So I put it back in the oven for like 20 more minutes and I pulled it back out and you carved the other side, like the leg, and it was still bright pink. And you were like, what the hell is no, happening here? Not the legs, the breasts. Well, whatever. Um, so at that point, like, I think I burst into tears and I was like, I'm just going to go to the grocery <laughs> store and I'm going to get one that's already made and then we can have dinner. Um, and I was hysterical. You know, I don't think you were, I don't think we had Kid 4 at the point. I think you were pregnant with Kid 4. Either way. It was a hot mess. Either way, it was a mess. And mom brain was definitely in full effect. So it turns out that the oven was only set to like 125 degrees. <laughs> and that's why the chicken didn't cook after like an hour and a half. Um, so, yeah, we had a grocery store chicken that night and everybody was happy. And after that, I haven't made that mistake since. And everybody is still like, Mom's chicken is the best. Thank you, Thomas Keller and Anthony Bourdain. Awesome. And I'm looking forward to it tomorrow night. I know it's going to be so good. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it will be. Better be. It's got to feel me up for hockey. It's going to feel you up. Grab your boobies. Fuel. You Not said feel. feel. You totally fuel. said feel. This is a really good Manhattan. It's probably <laughs> this one was the... a really good old fashioned, too. You're already done with yours? Now. You didn't make it big enough. I made you a double. You should have made a triple. It's a bad week. That's all the Woodford you had. You should have poured Jack in it too. Holy shit. It doesn't matter. Snikes. <laughs> should I like just pause it right now and make you another drink? Yes. Because we got more fails to talk about. Yes, do that. Oh, pausing for a moment to her cocktail break. We're back from, I think, our first ever cocktail break in the middle Sometimes of a podcast. you need we... to have a cocktail break. What are you drinking now? Uh, Jack Daniels Old Fashioned? Yeah, you're having an Old Fashioned with Jack Daniels. I ran up and mixed that one for you. Because you're the best husband ever. Awesome. Well, that should hold you through the rest of this it should, episode. It's, it's particularly big. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on with our stories... So that was, we just wrapped up our cooking fail. Mm-hmm. 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 Worth mentioning, your your roast chicken is amazing. Thank and you. And you are quite the cook. You're quite the chef. After all these years of, you know, meeting and you couldn't cook at all, now you, you make a lot of stuff. I can make a lot of things now. And most of the time, it actually does turn out the way that we expect it to, which yes. is very lovely for everyone. But what's transition? So we've done we've done running and racing, we've done teaching, we've done cooking, and now we're going to do work, and specifically within the realm because my work spans all sorts of fields, specifically to behavior analysis. Okie dokie. Because when we get down to it, you and I are trained as behavior analysts. We're behavioral psychologists. Mm-hmm. So let's keep it within that realm, and it's your turn. So, what is your biggest fail as a behavior analyst? So I'm going to take it back to grad school. Ooh. And this directly feeds into your last story about research methods and uh, having to do a task analysis, except I'm not going to talk about task analyses. I'm going to talk about just general research methods and having to do a project demonstrating your knowledge of various methods of collecting data. 
disclaimer here, I was not. The, you were not in this class. I was you not, did not the teach it. I was not the instructor of this class. This is no, graduate research methods. This is graduate research methods, and a very spectacular behavior analyst taught this class, and he's phenomenal. Okay, if you ever have the chance, if you figure out who it is, if you ever have the chance to study with him, you need to do it. He has also, like me, modified the requirements of this he project has because of you. Because of the story, you so, and your project partner. Yeah. So I'm a grad student, and this particular professor says, "Hey, grad students, we've been learning about all of these different ways to collect data, and now it's your turn to show me that you understand what we've been talking about." And to go out into the world and collect data using these various methods, you had to use three different methods to collect data. So everybody in, I would, almost everybody in my cohort partnered up and said, we're going to the bar and we're going to collect data on all of these bar behaviors. And I was like, that's fun. I like that. But my partner and I like saw everybody saying we're going to the bar and we were like, yeah, that's a whole lot of bar studies. Let's be different. And so we were sitting there and we were thinking, how can we be different? And I looked at her and I said, we should go take data on bathroom behavior. And she was like, <laughs> no. And I said, no, not like actual bathroom behavior. We should take data on hand-washing behavior in a public restroom. And she goes, yeah, this is a good idea. And our professor uh, did not give na- us... narrator comes in in Morgan Freeman's voice going, this was not a good <laughs> idea. So... Our professor did not give any stipulations about like... At that time. At that time about uh, things we were not allowed to do. So she and I devised this plan. We picked a location. It was a very public place in a public restroom. Well, in this place. as public as public restrooms get. It, uh, it was, was not like public. The, it was not the center of a city park where people were just taking no, a dump on ew, the grass. No, it was in a, like a privately owned place that m- was it the mall it was the mall in okay. tallahassee one of the mall there are multiple malls That's in true. tallahassee there were two at that time right this was at the yucky mall that nobody likes to go to i don't think it's open anymore i hope it's not open as janky <laughs> i'm oh. sorry what <laughs> <laughs> it was gross and was, so we picked it to go to ghetto, it was slummy it was not like nice. like i said it was janky it was scary sketchy yeah, sketchy. That's a good word for it. There you go. Um, So, like, I had scouted it out, and I was like, yeah, we're going to use this one particular women's room in this mall, <laughs> and it has it has a handicapped stall that faces... Handicapable? No, it's... I'm sorry. That's what it's called. It's called a handicapped stall. Okay. It just is. Um. Anyways, the handicapped stall faces the faucet, so we have, like, perfect a perfect view of what people are doing at the sinks... And we can take data on whether or not they are washing their Through hands. Through the crack in the door. Whether or not they can, they are washing their hands after they come out of being in the bathroom stall. Because sometimes people go into the bathroom and they're like freshening up their makeup or they're checking themselves out or they're, I don't know, doing something else. But they're not going into a toilet stall. Okay? You really, if you had carried through this and had gotten to the point where you'd gone through IRB so you could present it. It would it have should, never passed. I know it wouldn't have passed, but it, like the title for this, or even if in it was a janky mall, even if it was in the classroom and you had to do a poster session or something, it should have been the crack observations. Oh my God. <laughs> because you're observing through a crack. So yeah. In so the door. she and I, like I was like, yes, keyhole is, confessions. This is the perfect place. And she was like, yeah, this sounds like a really good idea. 
<laughs> and honestly, God, this I was don't. Not a good idea. I don't know how I convinced her to do it, but she went along with it, and it's one of our if funny little stories. If you're in grad stories. school research methods, do not do try not to replicate do, this honestly, study. Your professor will tell you no. <laughs> you there can't are so do this. many ethical issues with this in hindsight. It's, but it was before you had this ethics. this was before ethics, so like it was fine. Well, ethics existed. You just hadn't had the class we yet. Didn't, that was the second year class. It's yeah. fine. And also, Maybe it be a first year. this amazing professor had been a professor for like 40 years. And honestly, this should have come up before us. Okay. This was in the 2000s. So it should have happened long it's before like we Kid got there. It's not like Kid One who talks about the ancient times in the 19s. <sighs> right. It did not take place in the 19s when people were apparently in black and white before TVs and shit. Apparently, any of his students before them were not like <clears throat> creepy they enough to go. They all went to the bar. Yeah. There was previous students were not creepy enough to go take it's bathroom previous observations. students who went and took data on like the wheel spinning at poor Paul's bar. Okay. That was like my undergraduate mentor who directed me towards Florida State. I know. Like what? There's oh, yeah. a pipeline. I am aware of it. I yeah. am fixing to send one of my employees down there. That's fine. But also told pipeline. me when you go to Poor Paul's, always write on red or black because he sat right. there and did a statistical study so, on what comes on the wheel. Sidebar: I brought that up when I was telling her how amazing Florida State is. For I don't um, even know if that place ABA, is still open. ABA and and I was like, so if you if you go there, you have to go to the Tennessee Waltz, and then you're going to end up at this place called Poor Paul's, and it's the nastiest bar you've ever been to. But there's this wheel. And one of the previous Florida State PhD students did a study. And I will find out from my husband which color to bet on. But if you bet on this color, you will drink for free forever. No, they'll just double your order or give you Paul Paul bucks. Which, by the way, I found upstairs in my little, in you call it my man box, man box. But where I keep my rings and, you know. Your rings that you never wear. But you my have spare them. rings and, like, my tie bars and my tie clips and everything. In there are some poor Paul blocks that mm-hmm. we never spent that I'm keeping forever. I bet you it's still open because look, it was a cross, stupid wheel. It was across from Gumby's, which was a pizza joint, and they had uh, Gumby's pizza and Gumby sticks. I think on Monday night or something. But it's a complete dive bar. Like, look, when we it's gave directions, gr- the floor is sticky. When we gave directions, but it's the only place with steel tip tarts in Tallahassee, at least when we were there. Uh, but when you gave directions, it's like, where is poor Paul's? Oh, it's easy. You know where Rick's toy box is? It's underneath the sex toy toy sto- shop. I didn't tell her that part. No, I think that would have because like, when turned you look, her off you the drive down Tennessee Street, which is the main thing. drag in Tallahassee, uh, it's underneath them. You basically have to go down the hill and behind to enter in this this bar. But up above it, the first floor that's on the main street is actually the sex shop. It is. That sounds bad. I bet you it's still there, the too. The adult entertainment toy store. It's a toy store. Whatever. For grownups. Anyways. Anyways. The point is, is that he did that study probably for this class with this particular professor. Probably. And that's where that data came from. So, or he did it for fun. Like I said, everybody did their study at the bar except for me and this chick. And we Look, did ours. One of my early research methods classes, I did a study at the bar. Did you? Yeah, we did it. We did Was it. I there? No, it was at Michigan Tech. It was oh. uh, research methods, and it was every other Friday. Because I know that's which when we bar got you used. We went to the library to do a research that's study. Not the bar, I thought. Never mind. No, we went to the library, mm-hmm. which is a brew pub. Yeah. Anyways, back to me. Yeah. So, like, nobody had done this before, and there were no caveats like, you can do this, you can't do that. <laughs> you have to be ethical. <sighs> right. So we didn't have to be ethical at the time. So she and I go and we figure out how to take data multiple different ways on whether or not people are washing their hands after they are in the toilet stall. Did you girls, just say washing? No, I said washing. I hate you. I know. Don't pick on my th- southernness, okay? Your thugness? No, the my... The thug life... You don't choose the thug life. My thug life southernness. Chooses you. Yeah. So 
Anyway. We run our study. And then, like, everybody has to get up in front of class and make a PowerPoint presentation about it. And so we get up and we're like, we we took data on hand-washing behaviors and our professor, like, completely lost it. He thought it was hilarious. And then he was like, oh, shit. This is, <laughs> this is not good. The man who literally wrote the book on ethics for he our field. Did. Going, oh, crap, what have I done? So, like... We got an A because we did everything exactly how he asked. Our data was solid. Um, Everything was fine, except for following semesters of this class and for the undergraduate levels of the class that he taught, there were now caveats and rules. You will not take data on private behaviors that should not be monitored by outside observers, including bathroom behaviors, especially hand-washing behaviors after you are in the stall. I believe bedroom like, behaviors got added because around the time you took this class, I was teaching the behavior analysis yes. class and I was in the car with them going like, yeah, I got a task analysis <laughs> on how to do a blow job and a hand job yes. and roll a joint. So like subsequent um, cohorts of students, like I've had some of them as my... Um, they were called behavior techs at the time, and I trained them, and they worked with me. Now they're called RBTs. Um, what they, does RBT stand for? Registered Behavior Technician. The board invented it. So it's like a, another Whatever, layer. they're behavior techs. And it, it's a, like a below a BCBA, but still registered, so you can bill for insurance. Cool. Um, the behavior techs. Right. So like they would come up, and they'd be like, yeah, I'm in this class with this professor, and we have to go and do this research study where we have to take data multiple ways on a specific behavior. And I was like, oh, that's fun. What are you doing? And they said, well, we're sure shit not doing bathroom behaviors because he has explicitly said we are not allowed to take data. Didn't he give on... some story on some dumbass students who like went and like took right. observations in the bathroom on hammering behaviors much. and they hid in the so, stall and they like, got called out because like people and t- these prim and proper Tallahassee Southern genteel women went and saw two sets of feet in the one stall and they yeah, thought so that like the lesbians going on in the there story. this girl and i were like hiding in this handicap stall because it's big enough to hold two people at once and everything was fine until this mom like this brand new mom came in to breastfeed her child um because she wanted privacy for that and this was before there were like breastfeeding rooms with couches and it was we didn't have to do it where people were defecating and urinating exactly so she came in to do it and one of us hopped down from the toilet that we were perched on and so she noticed wait you were both perched on the toilet no one of us no one of us like had our feet positioned so it looked like we were on the toilet but we were standing like where we could see the crack and the other one of us was perched was perched on top of the toilet like a gargoyle (laughs) so that we So that we could still see, but they couldn't see that there were two people in the stall. Well, one of us got tired. I don't even remember which one it was. Um, But she saw both sets of feet and she was like, if you two don't come out of the bathroom right now, I'm calling the cops because you guys are perverts and this is illegal and you shouldn't be in there together. And like we got really, really quiet and we just basically waited until she left and we were like, oh shit, we have to get out of here now. (laughs) So, um... You're going to be arrested for, like, lewd behavior. Not anymore. This was, like, over a decade no, ago. No, I mean, back then. Yeah. We we hightailed it out of there. Thank God that was, like, our last data collection oh session. Oh, my God. Because... You, both, you both were working in the schools with children. 
Yeah. You imagine if you've been arrested, your no, whole career would be over. No, we would be, be like sex offenders, and it would yeah. be terrible. And saying our professor told us to take data on a professor would not have held up in court. I am positive of you're this. You're Christian, or you're Catholic. She's Southern. She's some Whatever sort of Southern, very Christian thing. And the two of you getting arrested and accused of like look inappropriate. We didn't know. Okay. Yeah. Honest to God, we didn't think this was a big deal. I don't know why we didn't think this was a big deal because looking back, we should have been like, holy no, shit, this is the worst idea ever. But we didn't. No, officer, we're doing this in the name of science. Yeah, we have to do this for grad school. Okay, policeman. Um, so, yeah. So now when... Officer, got data? <laughs> that would have gone over very well. I'm positive. So we, like, left and we never came back to this mall. I we're think just observing. This was the we're last just, time. We're just watching. We're not doing anything. This was the last time I actually ever went to this mall because I was so terrified of being caught by this pregnant lady well it's just um, a oh i almost said asshole but it's a crap it's, hole. it's a terrible mall I, I hope, i'm pretty honestly, sure i, I hope that it down. is closed down um so yeah when our professor teaches this class which i'm pretty sure he's still teaching when he teaches this class he gives specific examples of what not to do and ours is the number one thing that he, he says might. not to do so the two um the the two malls in tallahassee two also had like movie theaters near them. One had a standalone and one had one attached. And this is the one that had the one attached. So like we went to several movies there. We're always creepy. We always went in a group. But this is one where like we're sitting at one movie and people are sneaking in full size pizzas. Keep in mind I don't pizza, know how you sneak in a full size pizza. Pizza was not on the concession stand menu. People were sneaking in full size, like 30 inch pizzas underneath their shirts. Now you have to be of a certain size to even put a 30 inch pizza under your shirt. Yep. And not to mention be large enough where it's like no big thing. It's like st- sneaking in a pack of M&Ms in your, in right. your pocket. This was before like specialty food services at the movie theater. Or in this was not a movie theater where it was allowed to bring in outside food. So mm-hmm. somebody snuck in and like this is on more than one occasion. We yep. went to movies where people like show up and all of a sudden they lift up their shirt and like what the hell's going on? <laughs> and out comes a 30 inch pizza. Now, it wasn't from Momo's, which doesn't sponsor us, but Momo's is a joint in oh my Tallahassee. God, it's who so good. Their caveat and their, their slogan is slices bigger than your head. We if used to you go, are in Tallahassee ever, go to Momo's Pizza and personal have recommendation, a slice. It is so good. But like you can order by the slice and they'll make you one slice. Yep. Because they, their normal size pizza is a 36-inch pizza for a party. Yeah, you go to Momo's and you order a full-size pizza if you're feeding all of your undergrad students. But you can order one slice, and one slice is hanging off the silver um, food platter Platter. thing. Uh, And and one of the other grad students, and um, I don't think she's listening, but she's an ultra-marathoner now, but she introduced me to Momo's. It's like, let's go to Momo's. You get a slice of pizza, get a PBR, and it was like four bucks. Yep, it was fantastic, and it was right down the street from yes it was so good. i miss momos if we and i do want to take our kids back to tallahassee mm-hmm. at some point and want to introduce yeah them to, to show Florida them State. your brick well i gotta show them my phd brick by the westcott fountain i actually have another brick over I by know, the new psychology building. but i didn't get to see that one well i've never seen it either because they put it in after i moved away I mean, it's over there where nobody goes for psychology but i want to so. show them the campus i want to take them to florida state game so obviously it won't be in this year of covid Mm-mm. but um and our old hangouts and, and go see a lot of our friends down there and whatnot. And but part of it is take them to Momo's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hear uh, Po Boys is gone. I don't know. 
Oh, that's true. Po' Boys is gone. I was looking up fried pickles because somebody was going to Tallahassee and I wanted to tell them go to Po' Boys, but it's gone. Both locations? No, I think just the one. Just the one that was near our house? Yeah, I think the other one is open. Uh, There's so many places down there. It was so fun. I mean, it was nice. You know, I, I don't... If you were if you were female and you planned your schedule right, you could drink every night of the week free in Tallahassee. I mentioned that factoid to my employee that I'm. It works out well. Strongly I trained mean, they to send to Florida State. For the ladies. Like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> free beer for hot chicks at Po' Boys on Tuesday nights. Spoiler: They're all hot. They're all hot. Mm-hmm. Yes, everyone. Uh, it was just on down the line. You plan it well, uh, and of course, we went out to the far side of town on Saturday nights to get away because. Who wants to go party on the Tennessee Strip? Shakespeare. What about Shakespeare? No, not Shakespeare. What was it called? We went to Halligan's. No, not Halligan's. The nights. other one. Which one? Bullwinkles? The one, no, the one on the other side. Bullwinkles no, was free fishbowls on Friday night. Joe. You're going to have to cut that out. Not Shakespeare. Was, uh, the moon? No. What? Which one? Where? I'm trying to tell you. Okay, which location? I can tell you what bar Away. was. Way. By the moon, but not the moon. It was like snazzier. You, we have a picture of you getting your mug from your. Oh, that wasn't down by the moon. The moon was the southeast side. This was up in Midtown. And it was the Irish pub. It I was called. I don't remember. So long ago. Um, but yes, there was a picture of me. I think I actually put that picture up on our Instagram. It might have not have been at some point in time. It's funny. Uh, I'm getting it's like the work hard, play hard, and actually yeah. the mug says Dr. T work yeah. hard, play hard. It was from a bunch of my research assistants who got it for me. Uh, um. Super sweet. Catalina, I think, is in that picture. Anna's in that picture. Anna's Nicole definitely in picture. It. Amber's in it. A- Anna, like at least I know Anna listens to our podcast. So is she? Aw, shout Hi, out Anna. To, shout out to Anna. I think I pretty much think Anna is responsible for all of our Tennessee downloads. Probably. Probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hi, Anna. She's my favorite. We miss you. Mm-hmm. If you're ever up in Michigan, or you come up to Chicago, let us know. Let us know. We'll come find you. Yes. Anyway, so that's my uh, epic fail for being a behavior analyst because I should have known better. She should have known better. And our professor sure as heck should have known better to shut that down because we did have to get it approved. Oh, my God. Anyway. I don't think he realized the um, intensity of it. He didn't know how amazing you are at behavior analysis. Did a really good job. You you did a great job. Not ethical. Our operational job. definitions were just. Perfect. There you go. Great. You were behaviorally and technically you were correct. Ethically, you guys were missed the mark. It was not good. Anyway. Anyways, what was yours? What is your epic fail as a behavior analyst? Probably my greatest fail in behavior analysis was my first uh, performance management, organizational behavior management project. Mm-hmm. My first business consulting project, I did. And that was at a, what can I call it? I don't want to call out the company by name because it's a very large. You could large, call it a hardware store. There is a bunch. It's a large hardware store that's at the scale where they sponsor uh, the top level of NASCAR race car teams. Okay, I think which, there's a couple. I, I think there's three. There you go. You're there's, good. There's three, the three major ones. It's one of the three major ones. And I worked at specifically one location they had where I was doing my undergrad at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that boils it down. And so all three were there. 
So there you all go. All three? Well, at least, yeah, actually, all three were there. was were at they? least one store of all no, three. No, the, there were all three, uh, because I was thinking, like, third place one, were they there? Yes, because one of our friends worked there, because yep. he gave us a, one of the um, messed up doors they had for us yep. to install in our place. For actually, work. there are four. For undergrad, there are four big hardware stores. Well, whatever. It's one of the kind of big box hardware mm-hmm. suppliers was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, if you're doing a home improvement project, you go to one of these stores. Yep. I, I don't want to hurt, uh, like go after them. Nope. And it's not representative of the corporation. I nope. hope. Nope. It's but not. it was uh, representative of this one location at this one point in time. So mm-hmm. I, I contacted the manager and I was doing a, a performance improvement project, and it was my first performance improvement project ever, and it was in association with my first organizational behavior management class. Uh, when I was an undergrad at Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Hmm, hopefully that doesn't give too much away. Like but I said, there are four. There, are, Well, there were at that time, way back in the day. Uh, not the 19s, but pretty close for kid one. <laughs> so I, I was working on uh, customer service behaviors, and we had secret shoppers. I had a whole team of secret shoppers that I, uh, by the way, were uh, either volunteering or some of them were paying for uh, um, extra credit, uh, extra where well, they were paying for credits to do uh, independent studies under me, even though I was an undergrad too. But most of them were volunteers, and we paid them off with one they got experience to put on their uh, the curriculum vitae, their CV, and also we fed them with pasta at the end of the semester. We had a big pasta cookout at my place. They, uh, that's all I could afford at a time. Uh, I feel bad for them because the research assistants I had when I went to Florida got oyster dinners. By the way, the oysters were cheaper than the pasta dinners. I was going to say, we were pretty close to the Gulf. Yeah, we were right on the Gulf. Seafood is extremely the, the cheap oysters, when you're close to the water. The oysters were in the ocean a few hours before the party. Uh, that's why lobsters are so cheap in Maine because yes. you're right there on the water. Well, the oysters were were in the ocean a few hours before the party in Tallahassee. But mm, in yum. Kalamazoo, you get pasta. You get pasta. So anyway, we were doing secret shopper stuff and we were looking at um, behaviors and then we were posting performance data on giant graphs in the break room and it was a um, poster board that had a very faint grid so my students could go in and my research assistants and with a Sharpie post the performance. And I was I was pretty new to this, pretty new. To this I was new. You were brand new. I was brand speaking new, and I I didn't understand um, all the different factors, and I didn't understand co- what we call counter control. We didn't understand kickback, social validity, and I didn't anticipate that at some of the uh, employees there were washouts from Western Michigan Psychology to program who. They just gave up. They didn't finish their bachelor's. And they they just kept on working, but they had had this class, which is a that's hilarious senior level class. Uh, it was a four hundred level class, and so they knew what we were up to. They knew what we were doing, and of course, I'm going very textbook at this level because I I did not geez bump into the mic Sorry. with that cocktail. Uh, I didn't know how to innovate. I didn't do some of the things I had done in, in subsequent projects to do. Basically, I didn't have all the tricks of the trade. Yeah. Uh, I was very much paint by numbers at this point because it was my first applied pro- research project. Mm-hmm. 
and consulting project. And I had our, our poster torn down with our feedback. I had my research assistants cornered and screamed at by this one going, we know what you're doing. We don't want our crappy performance posted. <laughs> we don't want our cap- crappy performance po- uh, graphed. We don't want feedback on our crappy performance. And then uh, I keep saying crappy because I'm trying to keep this episode clean, but they're dropping the S-bomb. Uh, and you know, we know where you're up to. You're in class. Blah, 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 blah. They had the course number and course title right away. It's yeah. Like, I feel like if you had done this particular project in like anywhere current else, town oh, away from this school, it would have been beautiful. I had so many, I have so many other, uh, lessons learned though, that it would go much better. Yeah. Uh, that said the person wasn't wrong because it was crappy performance. Like it was like, Holy crap, do you have any customer service? Yeah. Now, so, I will say, because of the ne- negative experience with those employees at that one specific location, Yep. while I have been back into uh, locations in that chain, mm-hmm. I always go to their competitors first. I will say that I have only shopped at that particular location once in the past, like, 20 years. Yeah. Based on this particular experience. And it has been almost... And that was only because of COVID. Almost 20 years since we did that project. Yeah. And you were one of the research assistants on it. Yep. Um, that was way back when we used to work on my projects. Um, and it was so horrific that... Uh, now, I learned a lot, and I've come a long way... For sure. ...in those like 20 years. <laughs> but, oh, my God. I, I And I still look at it, I'm going... Yeah, your employees don't get Honestly, crap. I'm surprised that you went to graduate school for behavior analysis they after have, this. They have project. so many parents, so many employees where you're in an aisle looking lost and the like their employee will look down the aisle and go and then run away. Yeah. And still to this day, when I do go in there because I can't find what I need at one of the competitors, mm-hmm. uh, I'll look and go I'll look up and I'll see the vest of a certain color. Yeah. Um, first off, who the hell's wearing vests? Other the than, people that work there. Yeah, the mesh vests. The, and to be fair, at all four of these stores, they all wear vests. Well, I had to, I had to put that out there because I like I have especially we're heading into autumn. I have a vest, and I actually have a couple of vests that I really love wearing. But they're like the quilted that's puffy, like a big one. puffy vest. It's very like Michael this J. Box from, from Back to the Future, where it they has go the logo like, of the company. Are you the customer? It. Yes, if you're wearing a logo vest from the company, that's mesh, so it's breathable. And you look down the aisle and you see somebody's lost and you run away or you start walking down the aisle and they turn towards you with their hand outstretched and you do an about face and book it. That makes me think of this one franchise. I will say when I at the beginning of COVID, when I went to this one particular location, it was a last resort for me. Because you were looking for like I was looking for wipes, wipes and it's a big long story, but I was looking for them for my kid's classroom at her school that she had been at. Because they didn't have any. End of story. End of story. Uh, this particular store were incredibly helpful and they actually went to the back and said, we just got a shipment of Lysol wipes. We will get you as many as you need because the story is really fucked up. I I'm not discrediting you. I'm yeah. Just saying, so I will say as that a my customer, most previous experience was very good. But as a customer, I am scarred from this experience. For sure. I was shocked um, that it went so But well. I will also say it made lasting impressions on me. Yeah. It made me a better behavior analyst. It yep. made me a better business consultant. It made me a better organizational consultant because 
Holy crap, it was a miserable project. It's pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Like, <laughs> But we were able to run some statistics on there and show some statistical improvements. Mm-hmm. What we call social validity, it was not. Mm-hmm. Like, and we did this in the school, too. One time we showed, like, look, we can show statistically this student has improved. But they're yeah. still failing. But you can hide a lot of shit in stats. Well, it's like the kid went up from a 0.00% complete. Yeah. To a 26.7% complete. Statistically, huge improvement. Guess what? In real He's life, still though, failing. it still sucks. He's still failing. So there was a lack of social validity. And that's what this project I ran had lacked social validity. They still sucked when we did that project at that location for those shifts we did, for that student undergrad project we did. They weren't uh, performing. And mm-hmm. it's a combination of. I just did not have enough tools in my tool bag as a behavior analyst sure. at that point. You were like a behavior be, baby behavior analyst. I was a behavior baby. And uh, <laughs> so it's partly on me. And No, it's just... It, actually, it's just, largely it's on me. It was bomb. my project. I just didn't have enough tools to execute it. Yeah. But at the same time, like walking out of this, like, screw this place. <laughs> I don't want to come back here unless we, I have to. Yeah. And throughout my adult life, that's how I felt. That's but pretty much how it goes. That said, I'm not so angry at the entire corporation that I'm willing to call them out by name. No. Nope. Let's move on. Woot. We are moving on to parenting. Way to leap from professional <laughs> to the farthest reaches from professional. Home life. So, Marco, what yes. was your biggest parenting? I love how you like, yeah, like you're the ladies man. The ladies man with we'll Colossier. Well, we give you a little Jack Daniels. I Which, by the way, your dad little, loves the Jack Daniels. You know what he said, though, the last time he was here? That he was going to quit for Jefferson. Really? He was going to never this buy Jack again. You, your brother was on yearbook or the school newspaper or something, and he wrote every letter, every article he wrote. Don't. He hidden. Your dad had like a little Jack Daniels statue. Your dad he loves does. Jack Daniels. He has a shadow box. We went to lighted, Jack Daniels Distillery. Trophy he box has of a of, square foot of property there. He has all sorts of of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Super he exclusive single it. barrel Jake Daniels, yep. and he's saying that he loves Jefferson more. He said more. he will never if if he could if he liked Jefferson the Jefferson that we had in our cabinet that he would never drink Jan- Jack Daniels. You know again. what he had? So I've had the Jefferson Reserve. Yeah, and then when we did the the bourbon taking flight episode, we yeah, did the Jefferson just the standard Jefferson that was good too. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. I haven't tried the one that they've done with the O Ocean. Um, research team where they age them out at sea your dad has a bottle i really hope he, he brings does. it is it open if it's open he won't ever bring it. although if they move when they move Ooh. here they'll bring it i want to sit down with your dad it. and sample it even if um, it means we have to get another bottle of it i want to sit down and sample it that should be a podcast episode right there that could be your dad's anyways, debut on the podcast no, if he's listening he what? like Jessica's, been, Jessica's dad. Look, look on you. he has bring been a bottle. Let's do it. A Jack Daniels fan for almost fifty years. Okay, I would say even more. No, he's from back in the day. They could drink before like twenty one back then. It's a good point. Okay, so we'll say fifty years. Jack Daniels all the way. Way to like be nice to his age. <laughs> I'm trying to be. He, look, he's younger than your parents. Oh, that's right. Um, 
But yeah, he was like, if I love He's this. He's a kid. If I love this, I am never drinking Jack again. And my mom and I were like. <gasps> your mom and you? How about your mean? mom? Your mom, you and me. We were all floored like, by that statement. And if your brother had been there, he, he probably would have fallen out of his chair. Too. He would have been like, what do you mean never again? What else am I going to make fun of? Exactly. Like it's it's been a running joke. You have joke. a tiny Jack Daniels statue. It's not tiny. It's like two feet tall. Well, Boop. whatever. He's about 18 inches. Anyways, back to on topic. Oh, what what has is the been topic? your biggest parenting fail? Oh, my God. So many. So, many. so uh For me, too. Not we're, just we're for you. We're here with a podcast, and we give all this advice on <laughs> health and wellness and parenting and everything. And they like, oh, we're they're perfect. No, we're not. We are not perfect we, parents at all. We suck. Well, we don't Often. suck. We we suck Sometimes. as much as the standard parent does. Yeah, too. like we're, we're we're just like everybody else. We have things that we're great at, and we have things that we are bad at. We have good days, and we have bad days. Yes. And one of those bad days was where we totally failed. So we went and we took the kids, and we drove into uh, the Chicago area, and I think we were there. I can't remember if we were there for a race or because we were taking them to IKEA in Schaumburg or it doesn't matter something. We went into Chicago for something. In the Chicago area. And then we're on the way back and we we're hot and we we're tired and we we're exhausted parents because we were doing either racing or shopping for home goods. Because, by the way, if you want to test your marriage. Go to Ikea. Go to Ikea. We're not sponsored by Ikea. But that would be awesome. Those people in the blue and yellow vest should also be licensed marriage counselors. Because, one, <laughs> you're redesigning your house while you're walking through the uh, place with the little numbers and everything. And the little tiny number two pencils. But add and in your, it's a maze. Yeah, it's a maze, too. Add in your kids while you're trying to figure out, like, oh why didn't God. you take a measurement of what our windows are in this random room that we didn't think about redoing? <laughs> uh, oh, my God. So we went one of the days. Uh, and, and so either we were exhausted from racing and doing a 5K or I don't think we've done a triathlon in Chicago. But we've done lots of 5Ks. So we're either doing a 5K or we were at Ikea because that's the only reason we go to I, Chicago with the kids. Yeah. And usually over there, we no, also go to museums. Tri- oh, yeah. Every a muse- race or Ikea. Every yes, museum kid trip that we've done with, we yeah. as a couple have done with the kids, Yep, we we're also there for a race. You're 100% correct. Now, you've been there mm-hmm. with the kids. Uh, I've been there with some of the kids. But you've been there, like you went and saw um, Lydia, whatever the hell her name is, Lydia's Kitchen Lady. Bastianich. Yeah, her. Uh, you went to a cooking class with her at Italy. did, and it was so good. And uh, kid, kid one was like she was like four. She was like four. She's like, and she she ate. It's the like an food. Italian. It's like an Italian grandma who's so not I my got, Italian grandma. I got to tell Lydia that my kid loves your food. She won't eat it when I make it, but she ate it for you, and that's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I you, have a picture. It's great. And you guys got me a, a autographed copy of one of her books. Mm-hmm. Which has no pictures and like has no pictures. And ever since I went to low carb, it's like I can't make most of the stuff. The in point here. is, is that we have it and it's signed to you and it's in Italian and it's beautiful. It is beautiful, and I'm sure it's delicious. And we have a nice smiling picture of Kid One with uh, Lydia way back when, and me. I'm a tomato in it because anxiety is a bitch. Anxiety. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so we're coming back from Chicago. We have. Actually, I believe we only had kid one, two, and three. If we had kid four, she was in the she little was basket. Tiny she was and tiny not and big eating. enough for this. She wasn't doing anything other than that. Yeah. So it's summertime. It's hot. We're coming back to Chicago. We're hot. We're exhausted. And it's time to feed our kids a nutritious dinner. It's time for the, dinner. From the people with the podcast to do like 
foodie episodes and everything. Mm-hmm. And what did dear old dad decide to pull over and feed their kids for dinner? This is my favoriting parenting decision you've ever made. We were I like, just like to say that. What, five miles from home, if that? Yep. And I pull over and I'm like, all right, everybody, it's <laughs> ice cream for dinner. I take them to a <laughs> seasonal ice cream stand. Uh, I think they were serving Sherman's is what they specialize so in. So good. Along uh, Red Arrow Highway. Yep. We are the Red Arrow Hotel on this podcast. Yep. Uh, along Red Arrow Highway. And I pull over and it's like, load up. Oh, make it a double for all of them. Yep. You want, you want a cone? Flavors? You can have it. You want right. a cup? You can have it. What do you want on it? Double scoops for all the shorties. What kind of sprinkles? What kind of candy? Yeah. What do you want? Oh, so that was dinner that <laughs> night. And I think that is uh, definitely a parenting fail. It was magnificent. But a victory. And, you know, every so often. You know do, what? Imagine, remember that time, Dad, when you just took us for ice cream for dinner? That's, that's exactly it. it, it making memories. Not, yeah, we'll go for the win. Making memories. Complete nutritional fail. But making memories. is not a fail. This is a total win. Because when our <laughs> kids are like 45... They're going to take their They're kids for ice like, cream. Do you remember when dad took us for When ice dad was cream? losing his shit because he was lost, he was stuck <laughs> in Chicago rush hour traffic trying to get out of Chicago on a Sunday night when or daddy Saturday took whenever. us to have ice cream for dinner. Wasn't that amazing? And we yeah. got to sit like by the trees and we watched all of these squirrels and we ate ice cream and it was so much fun. It was 89 degrees and he made us sit it, on picnic tables outside. It was a total win. Yeah. It absolutely was. It's not really a fail. Well, nope. It's not. It's Nutritionally, great. it was a and fail. And actually, if you ask them now, they will still tell you stories about it. They loved it. Even <laughs> even kid number three, he can tell you. And he was like two years old. <laughs> In which case, we didn't definitely didn't have kid four at that no, point. No, we didn't. Yeah. How about you? What is your parenting fail? Mine is an actual fail. Um. Okay. So this was when kid number a one. Fail or fall? Because I can. This is a fail. Okay. Yeah, so kid number one was like one year old, which means that kid number two was like... Less than a year old. Less than a year old. No, he was like maybe a month old when this happened. Okay. So I was super insanely stressed out and exhausted because we had Irish twins and you were working like 800 hours a week and it was bonkers. (sighs) And I was like, I haven't had a shower in seven days. I just really need to stand in the hot water and get clean. It's going to be fine. And so I plopped kid number two in his crib and I was like, it's time for a nap. Not night. And he went to sleep. And then kid number one did not want to take a nap. And I was like, fuck, I can't do this anymore. I put the baby gate up in front of the basement. I you put didn't it just up. put her in her crib? And actually at that I point. I didn't because you were, know why. They were in cribs in like a 20 by 10 room. Yeah. They used to throw stuffed animals That's at each exactly other across it. the room. She would have thrown stuffed animals at kid number two, and I wouldn't have been able to take a shower. So I was like, I don't care. I'm going to put the baby gate we in front. We need to those who don't know. Irish twins are twin, or 11, 12 or months. Kids or, who are not actually twins, but they're under 12 months. So they're born right. in the same. Same calendar year, people. Well, ours aren't in the same calendar year, but they're less than 12 months apart. Yes. 12 months apart or closer together. Equal Irish twins. Ours are 11 and a half. Because it's some sort of messed up catholic slander thing i'm sorry or our case our our doctor said like go for our, the fertility clinic we've got our fertility treatment no. we've got the cocktail ready i will you're tell good. you they and said five five different doctors said you're infertile you'll have to take fertility meds to have subsequent children but we got the cocktail we got, the, rec- we go got the special recipe whenever so we- you're ready and i was like i don't need that we're gonna wait two and a half years and then we're gonna have kid number two we don't need 
protection. We don't need fertility meds. Everything is fine. Threat to and tell then, us that your body can naturally reset. Right. So after now we have one. kid number two, and he is 11 months younger than his sister. Well, that wasn't that is, just lucky? It is. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that's super special. Anywho, this is an episode on parenting fails and not, not fertility treatment. Fails. Fertility treatment fails. Right. So, or family <laughs> planning fails or whatever you want to call it. Sure. Could have been successes. It's definitely a success. We love kid number two. We love all our kids. Of course. But depending very, on the day, depending on who's acting up. We're very happy he's here. We're very happy oh, to I have mean, him. We always look, wanted him. In all seriousness, we're excited they're all four here. Yeah. There are just some days just, where some look, are, depending on who's acting up, that depends on who's our favorite that day. If you have babies and they are less than 12 months apart, life is really, really hard. And that is not something to be ashamed of. It just is a factoid and it just is. It's fine. I mean, we don't, we never had twins, but I'm guessing that at least twins that they're at the same developmental stage, when you have them, when you have them like 11 months apart, one is a little bit more advanced than the other one and it makes it a little bit more challenging. Yeah. So there were lots of nights where like kid number one and kid number two would be crying and I'd be like, who am I supposed to pick up? The little one. Right now. And I always went for kid number two because it was because he was hungry. Um, But I always felt like really, really terrible that I wasn't picking up kid number one. I was like, I'm doing psychological damage because I'm no, not comforting her. Kid one but is fine. And by the way, this is serious mom guilt. She, uh, right there. she's boy, she did some creative stuff. We also have stuff for her when she eventually transitioned to the toddler bed, which is basically her, her, her lifetime crib, whatever thing with the yeah. wall taken off. Or like we could hear things going upstairs and we go and check on her later. And she's looks like she's doing a face plant. Where oh like the God. feet are on the and floor, the pig jammies. Yeah, the feet are on the floor. <laughs> the head's in the bed, and she's out cold, bent yep. over like an so funny. Toddlers look, are hilarious. Looking like a Tetris piece, the L piece. So, anyways, she is like maybe twelve months old. Kid number two was in his crib, and I was like, "Mommy needs to take a shower. You're going to bed." And I plopped him in there, and everything was fine. And then her. I put, she wouldn't, she did not want to take a nap this particular day. So I put the gate, gate up in between the living room and the kitchen. I put the gate up in between the bathroom and the living room. And I put the gate up in between the stairs and the living room. So she, there was no escaping the living room area, but there was a pretty big sized room. So I was like, mommy, just, it's been a week. Mommy needs to take a shower. I just, it's going to be fine. You just like, I turned on shows for her. I gave her all of her favorite toys. Books were available. Everything I could think of to make it the happiest world ever for this like one hour that I was going to take a shower. Okay. It was in a funk. It was gross. Literally. So I went and I took this shower and it was like freaking amazing. And I get out and I'm clean and I feel so much more relaxed and so much more like ready to take on the world. And I come out of the the, bathroom. uh, The poltergeist voice. This mommy clean no oh so i come out of the bathroom and i was like yes everything is perfect and i open my eyes everything is and awesome. i look at the wall and there's blood all over the wall i'm not exaggerating Joy, the text i got at work when i read them initial thoughts was that it was not blood because blood when it oxidizes and touches the air it turns a little bit more rusty color and more brown <laughs> You initially thought it was something else. I thought it was poop. 
So I like lost my shit. Every single good feeling about my nice shower <laughs> that had taken me a week Boy, to wait, finally get. So some might say you found your shit was all over the wall. Gone. And I was like, oh my God, there's shit everywhere. Um, and then you like, know this on, is supposed to be a pe- clean a pe- Nope, a your clean runners podcast. are not listening to this. It's just grown up. So no, it's I got to report this to the podcast people the or whatever. Pod- okay, there's a lot of swear words in this one. I'm sorry, podcast people, but I bet everybody, every adult will actually love it. So I, on closer inspection, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, kid number, kid number one has figured out how to dig in her diaper. This is terrible. And I go over and I look at kid number one and she is perfectly content she's sitting on the floor and she is happy did There's you say no... also like the, stri- the little color change stripe on her diaper was Everything, still dry yep, she was completely dry nothing had happened in her diaper and i was like okay what's happening here so i go over to like clean stuff off the wall and i'm not talking like one little like point of blood i am talking about streams of it all over the walls okay like it looks like a crime scene from dexter it's bad and i was like oh my god where did this come from and i started to clean it and i realized it's blood not poop so that was exciting and i was like oh shit my kid cut herself oh my god so i go over to kid number one and i'm looking and she's got like the world's tiniest cut on her teeny tiny baby fingertip and i was like I don't understand what happened. And so I'm looking around at the floor. And finally, I see a plastic Easter egg. And the only thing that I can think of that happened is that she managed to open, pop the egg open. And then she like accidentally scraped the tip of her finger open on the plastic part of this plastic Easter egg. And then it started bleeding. And she was like waving her hands and the blood just sort of like flung onto the walls. So, yeah, definitely leaving my kid unattended to and unsupervised was a humongous parenting fail, and I've never done it since then. Yep. It was horrific. And I felt, I think I was actually still crying about it when you showed up from to home from work. Probably, that night. but I was so exhausted that I That you were remember. like, oh, fuck, my wife is, sorry. No, I just don't remember I was like, it. you were like, oh, crap, my wife is crying again. What's new? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, biggest parenting fails right there. Cheers to Cheers. that. I'm sure everybody has made, like, parenting fails similar to yeah. what we have made. Anyone who's pretending that they're a perfect parent um, is lying. Y'all are liars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just own up to it. You'll feel better, and you'll be, like, part let's, of our little group. Let's, speaking of feeling better. Yes. Let's move on to our last one of our of tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh Exercise, training, fitness. What are your exercise, training, fitness fails? I mean, it's never hunky-dory, amazing, all sunshine and rainbows. There's things that go good, things that go bad. But give me, like, an epic fail. One epic fail. Me? You want me to go first? Yeah, I want you to go first. (laughs) Okay. So, freshman year of high school, I tried out for JV softball. And this was not, like, something I did out of the blue. I'd been playing softball for years at this point. It was really awesome at being a outfielder and really really good at being a third base person so part of this particular day of tryouts our coach wanted half of us to be second baseman and half of us to be shortstop and we were running a specific drill and it was my turn to be a a second baseman and the coach hit the ball to the shortstop 
And this particular girl who was playing shortstop had a rocket arm. She was a complete badass at softball. Okay. Wasn't she offered a scholarship at Notre Dame? She was. Uh, I don't I don't want to talk too much about this because. Okay. I know. Um, but she was offered a scholarship at Notre Dame for softball. She and she was. And um, I feel really bad about what happened to her. She there was a there was, there a, was an accident. An accident. And she was hurt. Yes. Anyway, um, but she in a similar way to what I'm going to talk about right now. But prior to, this was prior to that. And she had a lot of athletic she ability. It was so good. OK, so I hop on the bag. I'm ready to catch the ball. I have my glove up. I am looking at her and I am ready. And as a softball or baseball player, you know that if the person is on the bag, they've got their glove up and they are looking at you. Stop looking that, when you talk into the mic, though. <laughs> that means, right? That means they are ready for the ball and you can go ahead and fire that ball at them, right? So I get in my ready stance and somebody behind me cracks a joke. So I turn to look at them to like laugh. And. I still had my glove up and I was looking away and I realized this and I turned my face around just in time to see the ball flying right at my face and the ball went and it hit my face, hit my nose and it hit my orbital area on the right side. And um, the next thing I remember is like my coach slowly dropping her bat and then I shut my eyes again. And I opened them and suddenly my entire team was standing around me. My coach was shouting and I was like, I am lower than I was when I first started this. What's happening? And then I opened my eyes again and the boys baseball coach and team were also standing around me and I was completely mortified and I sat up sort of and I realized that like blood was pouring out of my face and my face really, really hurt. And I realized what had happened. I'd been smacked in the face by this ball fired from this girl with a rocket arm. And, um, yeah, my dad was called to come and pick me up. There was a shirt pressed in my face because, like, we didn't have an actual first aid kit. Somebody's sweaty shirt. Yeah. Um, Obviously pre-COVID times. So, like, the baseball coach was basically giving me a concussion assessment and I was... Which was probably horrified. crap at that point. Because now we have to go through all sorts of concussion oh, yeah. protocol It was like training. a procedure. But back in the 90s, there was not a procedure. It was like, well, maybe. How many four um, fingers are we holding up? That's basically what it was. Meanwhile, I'm looking at all of the JV baseball players, and they are all desperately trying not to laugh at me. And I was just like, please, God, go ahead and strike me dead right now because I absolutely want to die. This They're is the most embarrassing hey thing I'll, I'll give her mouth to mouth yeah this is the most embarrassing thing that has ever happened to me half of the girls were crying half of them were laughing because nobody knew how to react to this and i was just like i wish i were dead so my dad comes to get me and he is laughing he thinks the whole thing is hysterical he brings me home my mom takes one look and is like get in the car we're going to the emergency room because your nose is really really messed up so we and I was like, what do you mean? My nose is messed up. I haven't even seen myself in the mirror. So we get to the emergency That's room. That's probably a good thing at that point. And she refused to let me see the mirror. And we get to the emergency room and there's this doctor and he walks in and the man had hair pouring out of his ears. I'm not <laughs> I am not making this up. He had the hairiest ears I've ever seen in my entire life. And I was like, oh my God. And he he took one look at me and he goes, hmm. Your nose is in the wrong place. I bet that's broken. We're going to get x-rays. And I was like, 
What do you mean my nose is broken? I am a freshman in high school. I can't have a broken nose. And he goes, no, it's it's fine. We're going to get an x-ray and then we'll fix it. And I was like, I don't want to fix it. I want to go home. With my broken nose in the wrong place. Right. So the x-ray comes back and it's miraculously not broken. And he goes, well, your nose isn't broken. You can just go home. And I was like, wait a minute. You told me when you walked in this room, your nose is not in the right place. What do you mean it's not broken? He was like, well, it's not broken. There's no fracture. There's no crack. There's nothing. Your orbital isn't broken. You get to go home. Also, you'll probably have two black eyes tomorrow morning. So have fun with that. And you probably also have a concussion. Here's what you should do. Have fun at school. So like my math teacher had given us a massive amount of homework. And I got home and I was absolutely hysterical because I was super stressed out about the nose injury. I was very upset that I couldn't see correctly to finish my math. And I think it got to be about nine o'clock at night. And my dad was like, just go to bed. It's going to be fine. Just go to bed. It's fine. So I went to bed and the next morning I got up and I went to math class because it was first period and our teacher collected the math homework and he was like, Jessica, I don't have your math homework. Where is it? And I was like, yeah, Mr. Math Teacher. I didn't do my math homework. And he was like, uh, what do you mean you didn't do your math homework? Because I was like, I never not did my homework. And I was like, I got hit in the face with a baseball last night, a softball last night. And I had to go to the hospital. And yeah, I couldn't do it because I couldn't see straight. And he was looking at me. I did not have two black eyes like that doctor told me I was going to. I looked perfectly fine except for the crooked nose situation which you don't even notice unless i tell you the story and i said look he goes i don't believe you and i said here is the softball coach's name and phone number and you can call her and she will verify the story and so he sat there for a minute and he sort of thought about it and he was like you turn your homework in tomorrow and i was like deal and that was the end of that but um yeah so now i have a crooked nose because I bet you after minoring in biology in college that I had a hairline fracture that didn't show up in the x-ray because my nose was so swollen that it didn't show up and they didn't do a follow-up x-ray and so it was never discovered and now I have a crooked nose and sunglasses don't sit right on my face. You know what though? Hmm. That's not the story I thought you would go with. What'd you think I was going to go with? The exercise training fitness story that involved an a fail story that involved an actual failing. <laughs> the story I thought you were going to tell was one from <laughs> your undergraduate days at Western mm. Michigan. When I failed water aerobics. That would be exactly what I thought you were going to tell. <laughs> I did. I totally failed water aerobics, but I have a really good excuse. What's that? Um, So freshman year, like before freshman year, we had to go do orientation and then we had to wait in those lines to sign up for classes. So this is before like online signing up for classes. Back in the 19s. In the 19s when you basically. The olden days. If you're a freshman, you basically got what you got and you hope that it worked out for your long-term plan. And what fit into my long-term plan for completing my gym class was uh, water aerobics at 8 o'clock in the morning. And I don't know if you've ever been to a water aerobics class, but it it is disgusting because nobody showers 
before they come to water aerobics class because they think I'm going to get hot and sweaty anyways and chlorinated. Why bother to take a shower? Well, water aerobics was conducted in the indoor pool where the temperature is like 95 degrees at the very least. So it is hot. It's super chlorinated and people stink first thing in the morning if they haven't taken a shower. It's just disgusting. So I went a couple of times, but the third the third time I went to class, the smell just completely overwhelmed me and I wound up finishing the class and then I threw up all over the locker room and it was terrible. And after that, I was like, I'm never going to this class again. And I was... I was stupid enough to not know that like you could drop a class and it wouldn't count against you. So I didn't drop. I just kept it and I failed it and it was terrible and it was so completely stupid and it wrecked my GPA forever. And my dad was like, if you do not get all A's and B's next semester, I'm pulling you out of college. I'm never paying for this for you again because you failed water aerobics. So yeah, that was also a fail. Nice. Yeah, it was nice. What were your exercise or training or fitness fails? Mine actually was an award-winning, uh, well, led to an award-winning uh, writing sample uh, in the story, but really it came out of, so I was 16, and I, I got, uh, it's a scuba diving story. I got certified to scuba dive at 15. My brother was 13. Uh, but this is the summer that I was 16. I had my driver's license. And we decided to go scuba diving. So here's a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old going scuba diving in Lake Michigan, which is is an inland sea. Mm-hmm. So we take off from this kind of uh, secluded cove. It's got a beach. It's one of the local municipal beaches. And uh, we decide to go out and go scuba diving, and we leave from the beach. And we, we had the proper gear on, and even though it was a hot summer day, we had quarter-inch uh, neoprene wetsuits on. So we had plenty of layers. We're plenty, plenty warm, not overheating. And we go out, and we're doing – the plan is an east-west dive. Actually, a west-east dive because we're heading out in the lake and coming back from the Sunset Coast. And there were – we looked at the radar, and we're like, well, there's storms over Chicago, but we got time. So we take off. We didn't take into consideration also that it was Lake Michigan at this point is rather it takes a while to really drop off. Mm-hmm. So I think the the deepest point in the whole dive is 25 feet. And we're mainly watching our air and our depth and our, our charts. And we've got our computers on, but yeah, it's not deep. So we're not using a lot of air. Mm-hmm. So we're down for a while. We keep going out and we're exploring. And we found a a rowboat we found another boat we were finding golf balls and we're in like 20 feet of water well we're also a half mile to three quarter mile off the shore of (laughs) this cove and we're going oh point to point and seeing what we could see and we're out past the sand we're seeing mostly clay bottom which is what you have and we're going and not paying attention to the current because once we got out from the cove there is a current depending on the day Mm mm-hmm and we're, we're also finding things to see, like old piers and everything to go chase after and, and wrecks and whatnot, uh, whether it's just and basically just garbage down there. I mean, not a lot of garbage, but it's like, like I said, wreck, rowboat, wreck yacht, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And we're moving along and not realizing that we're kind of deviating from our straight west-east dive plan. 
So eventually we're like, you know, like, wow, we've been down for 75 minutes, 76 minutes. Maybe we should come up and we're getting low on air and it's starting to get dark up above. And we're like, mm, we probably should pop up. So I signal my brother and we're like, let's go up. We pop up. We are over a half mile north <laughs> of our entry point. We are still a quarter mile off the shore. We look out on the horizon. There is visible lightning coming down. It's not just like, oh, it's like, oh, there's rain. We know there's rain over there because it's like <laughs> that gray schmear all yeah. the way down the horizon. There are lightning bolts coming down across the lake. And we're like, that's moving in on us fast. We're a quarter mile from shore. And we're looking back and like, holy crap, we're a half mile north of where we were supposed to and be. And are either of you fantastic swimmers? We are not super fast swimmers. <laughs> so... He has a back inflation uh, buoyancy compensator, so he blows his up and makes it into a raft. And now it's August, or no, it's July in Michigan, and we're wearing quarter-inch wetsuits, which was great because the lake had turned over. The water is cold, but the air is freaking hot. <laughs> and we are well insulated, a little bit too well insulated for the surface. We were yeah. fine 20 feet down for an hour mm -hmm. plus. So we, we kick our way straight in, and I blew up my BC, but I had the full vest style. It's, I, I liked feeling, knowing how much air I had in it because it would hug you and yeah. squeeze your sides. So I couldn't do quite what he did where he made a raft and he took it off and he just kicked. I had mine on. We power our way in. Great. Now we take our fins off. Now we're wearing basically quarter-inch cold-weather uh, wetsuits, gumby suits, <laughs> Uh, now it's July and we have to go run up a sand dune across a neighborhood, <laughs> jump a snow fence, which was being used to keep blowing beach sand across a neighborhood. Eventually back to the beach we were at up a staircase with our air tanks on our backs. Because we're also like this storm is coming. We have big aluminum cylinders out here within the lake with us. Mm hmm. Uh, the rain started kicking in while we're going up the sand dune. So now we're still hauling giant air tanks because we're thinking we're 16. Our dad's going to kill us if we lose our air tanks. And he would have. He would have. They were our personal air tanks. Uh, I forgot mm -hmm. what. I think my brother had a blue one. I know I had a red metallic one that I had spent a bunch of money on because I wanted it. Like, red's my favorite color. I'm like, this thing is, it's not just a flat red. Like, I got the pearlized. Ooh, fancy. Well, I had a very fancy air tank. <laughs> Uh, I don't even know if my dad still has it. I think he gave up like getting it recertified and inspected. That's unfortunate. It sounds pretty. Hand. It was very pretty. It very mm. sparkled in the sunlight. Or in this case, yeah. the lightning. And <laughs> we just as the lightning was hitting the beach area, we finally got back to the family uh, suburban that I had borrowed for the night. Mm -hmm. And drove uh, myself, my brother. Oh, and we're towing our dive buoy. That we had built, which was a, a tire or car tire inner tube. We had put a milk crate in the middle and put a dive flag on that mm. we had to us. Gotcha. So we're hauling this thing over the dunes too with our air tanks in our like giant wetsuits. And like, we're like, we made it. We're inside the car, we're insulated. And meanwhile, like my brother's girlfriend at the time was um, on the beach watching our dive flag drift farther and farther north. She's like, You guys, you have any clue what you're doing? Like, Apparently not. This was before a cell phone, so like texting was an option. They weren't going to text us underwater, Jessica. I don't even know if you can get texts underwater. Can you get them underwater? We'll have to play with that next time we go to Honduras. Sure. I'm not taking my iPhone down 60, 70, 80 feet deep. You know what? I'm going to because it's cheaper to replace an iPhone than a Canon. So, yes. There we go. Anyway, 
So if we do all this, um, <laughs> complete fail, not paying attention to the weather close enough, even though we looked at it, mm. uh, not following the dive plan correctly, not following our G or well, we didn't have GPS, our compass, even right. Let's make fun of the Boy Scouts again. I had a Boy compass. Scout. I had a Boy Scout uh, merit badge in orienteering. For scuba diving, though, no, that's for a following different compass ball courses. Of wax. I also had my advanced certification. I had um, specialty training in underwater navigation, which is like three dimensional because it's uh, what depth are you at, what heading are you on for certain things, and at any point the instructor can tap his tank and go, "Where's the boat?" There's a little hand signal. It looks like you make a little cup with your hands. And so I was very good at that, but still did not take the currents into consideration. We drifted our way north. And yeah. So I'm this whole positive thing, that I would never pass the where's the boat class. Complete fail. Stupid 16-year-old, stupid 14-year-old <laughs> uh, doing this You're thing. so lucky you didn't die. Oh, yeah. We didn't become like uh, chicken nuggets on this one. <laughs> uh, I will say I wrote a, I had to write a story about this uh, in uh, high school. We had a writing assignment and it was actually, I went to Catholic school, so we had to write a religious assignment. And it was like, uh, some sort of like God inspiring moment. God was, protected you. No. Uh, oh. But I wrote I wrote wrote this story and I replaced all the oh shit oh shit oh shits with oh god oh god oh god help me, and the religion teacher put it up as one of the best they had. Now the English teacher shot it down and vetoed me from going on to the national competition, and she said this is a piece of garbage. You will never, don't be a writer, go on and be an engineer because you can't write with squat and you will you? never make, have a future in writing. Never mind. Fast forward. I, I end up getting you a doctorate. Write? End up being an intelligence analyst. End up basically writing for a living for most of my adult life. But that was the lasting moment from that English teacher going, he can't write. Unbelievable. Um, Bull. But anyway, the, the 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 theology teacher thought it was a great piece of literature, and so did the history teacher slash computer programming instructor, who was also on that committee, thought it was outstanding. It just happened to get vetoed by the English teacher. Fortunately for us, high school administrators and teachers are not the end-all, be-all to teacher successes. <laughs> no offense to them. They do see a lot. They have to put up with a lot of crap, but... They're it, for sure not. If you're a student and they're telling you you can't succeed... Um, or they're telling you you're dumb and you'll never amount to anything. Don't let that deter you. Nope. They're full of crap. You are amazing. And if they tell you you're awesome amazing... And you can do it. If they tell you you're amazing, listen to them. Mm-hmm. But if they tell you you can't do it, you know what? Don't give up. You can do it. Yep. Well, those were our fail stories. That was kind of fun. If it made you feel better, if it made you encourage, it made you feel like <laughs> I'm not that bad at working out, I'm not that bad of a parent. Great. That's what you wanted. I'm feeling a little bit better. Are you? For sure. And it's not just the cocktail speaking. I thought of another parenting fail. Oh, what was that? So, um, when we had kid number one, yeah. I thought that breastfeeding was like the end all be all to being an excellent mother. Well, they drilled that into you, like all the natural all of everything. the baby classes. They said breastfeeding is the way to go. All of the online thingies said yes. What is you're it? Not. Breast is best, or some breast slogan is they best, had for sure. Um, so I was convinced that like to be the best mom I could be, I needed to be breastfeeding my kid. Fast forward to kid number one. What was the one. British one? Tit Cheerio. I have no idea. Okay. Fast forward to kid, kid number one is born. 
And I was like, yes, I have a newborn. I'm going to breastfeed her. We're going to bond. This is going to be amazing. And I go to do it. But in my case, I had preeclampsia. We had to hang magnesium for well over 24 hours, which I don't know if any of you have been on it before, but it makes you super swollen everywhere. So things don't work as they're supposed to. So breastfeeding was not super easy for me. It was honestly a nightmare. And then I had multiple lactation consultants who gave me a wide variety contradicting advice of contradicting advice some said use the nipple guard some said don't use the nipple guard some said try this try that whatever and Plus, for those of you don't know what a nipple guard is if it's like this weird little plastic old, thing you put on your boob if you're old enough to remember justin timberlake and uh, janet jackson at the super bowl it looks like that only out of plastic instead of metal or whatever she was wearing it's it's designed to like draw your nipple out so your kid can latch on it is it. that one was whatever um, it's been a long podcast anyways, episode i did a lot of cocktails i used it but it didn't quite work correctly for me for whatever reason um and there was some other weird advice and i tried everything and i was determined to make this work but i also have a a thing which a side effect of it is that you don't produce a lot of milk and so my kid wasn't getting fed and I made it to six weeks supplementing with formula and I remember like basically punching you repeatedly in the arm at three o'clock in the morning to wake you up and you finally did and I was like I need for you to tell me it's okay and you were like what's okay and I was like I need for you to tell me that it's okay for us to not be breastfeeding our kid and you're like you're the one the boobs it's fine if you don't want to do it we have formula it's fine but i couldn't do it and it was a gigantic fail but you were like just leave me alone do whatever you need to do so that you can feed our baby and she lives and you can get some sleep and i can get some sleep so i can go back to work she is healthy she's She's, super healthy and uh, she's brilliant and she's beautiful and everything is perfect Granted, at the moment she's down with a head cold and she, yeah. she couldn't play goalie today because she couldn't breathe okay. and she's thrown up. But, but like in general, she's healthy. Being she's beautiful. She's fed smart. After six weeks of age did not impact her in any. And you know what? But, was, you know what VHO one was showing every morning at 3 a.m. when Lady you were, Gaga. Actually, I was going to say Muse with the little teddy and bear picnic one. is both of them. The, it was um, the zombie terror it was, teddy bear video. It was paparazzi and it was zombie terror teddy bears. Yeah. yeah. What was the um, one, the uprising or whatever? Yes, that's yeah. it. That's it. Anyways, for me, not zombie, being able. Zombie teddy bear picnic is such a not, title. Not being able to feed her myself from my own body was like a humongous fail. But looking back on it, it's completely fine. And it just, it didn't work out for me and it's fine. But subsequent children, because of my super terrible experience with it, we didn't even attempt to do it. Like it was, you are going to be formula fed and you're going to like it. And that's the end of that. And kid everyone four, is fine. So kid four was the only kid born in Michigan out of our four. Mm-hmm. And I love when they came in like, well, have you heard about like, kind of like the, have you heard about breastfeeding? Like there's some sort of evangelical uh, uh, missionary or something coming into the room. It's like, get out. Yes, we have. We know what we're doing. And by the way, <laughs> first off, my wife is AMA with kid number <gasps> four. Advanced maternal age. I hate you right now. But uh, <laughs> we've done this. We've been there, done that. We've tried all the things. And we know that for my psychological well-being, as well as my child's yeah. well-being, 
formula is the way to go for us. GTFO. Yes, and they Get were the like, frig out of our They room. basically said, noted, you will not ever see us again. And we didn't. And we it didn't. Was great. It was awesome. But for kid number one, Going through that, that whole thing was a gigantic fail for me, and it was it was really hard to get over. But you were like super supportive, and you were like, "All we need is a baby that's fed and is healthy and is fine. And if formula is the way to do it, then let's do it. And it's okay. Everything is and fine. It was and it was. And it, it is was great. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Well, if this made you feel better, great. <laughs> Yay! If this entertained you while you were on the treadmill or whatever, Yay! great. And if this bored you out of your mind, well, how are you still? You. Listen- how are you still listening? Like two hours in. Mm-hmm. But this was fun. We will probably revisit the fail episode down the line in the future, but Maybe not like next 10 week. Years. I don't know. We got some other fail stories too. Probably but we got successes also. I fail a lot. It's fine. Before we go, though, we want to give shout give shout outs to all those uh, Red Arrow Challenge champions for the most recent week. Yes. So. Swimming. Nine and under, ten and under. We can go to a bunch of those. Pretty much. There wasn't a lot of swimming going on. And you know what? We're getting into autumn. You know what? It makes sense. There's not a lot of swimming going on in autumn. Enjoy mm-hmm. one of those autumn cocktails from episode 32, if you're of age. Indeed. But for the few that went, for the 20-year-olds, 20 to 29, Gator Boy. And then 40 to 49, Jesse's Girl. Running. Nine and under, Easy E. 10 to 19, Lucky Dude. 20 to 29, Lexi. 30 to 39, Wildcat. 40 to 49, Coach T. And 50 to 59, A.R. Miller. And for the featured members, which are you and me, well, neither of us (laughs) went swimming. I won the running. Congrats. Thanks. Walking. Nine and under, Easy E, 10 to 19, Soleil, 20 to 29, Smytha, 30 to 39, Mrs. Coach, 40 to 49, Coach T, no 50 to 59-year-olds, but 60 to 69, Kilogram Mill. And for our featured members, me. Biking on road. Not a lot of this either, but 20 to 29, H. Kaner, 305, and 30 to 39, Cyclopath. Biking off road. 20 to 29 was a tie. Smythe on Super Mario. No 30 to 39 year olds, but 40 to 49. Tim 906 and 50 to 59. A.R. Miller. Sit down pedaling. So everybody who did this was in their 40s. And then we ended up with a tie. 40 to 49. Sarah 906. Sorry. Sarah 906 and Tim 906. And I'm guessing... Interesting. I'm guessing youpers that know each other. Probably. Probably. 906 is the area, car, co, area, cod, area code. Cod. With good cocktails. Mm. By the way, I got a refill at one point. Me too. Yeah. Well, we it's know. Obvious. I stopped it and played music. But uh, 906 is the area code for Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Stand up pedaling. 20 to 29, H. Kaner 305. No 30 to 39 year olds, but 40 to 49, Sarah 906. Impressive. Cross country skiing. Only one of our usual suspects, and that was for the 50 to 59 year old category, Big Juan 64. Skating. 40 to 49, Great Juan with an 8. Hockey. Nine and under, Yellow Ninja. Ten to nineteen, Lucky Dude. Twenty to twenty-nine, Luxie. Thirty to thirty-nine, Wildcat. Forty to forty-nine, Coach T. And for featured members, moi. 
points. Nine and under, easy E. Ten to nineteen, lucky dude. Twenty to twenty-nine, Lexi. Thirty to thirty-nine, Wildcat. Forty to forty-nine, Coach T. Fifty to fifty-nine, A.R. Miller. Sixty to sixty-nine, Kilogram Hill. And seventy to seventy-nine, and well, frankly, over that, they didn't do anything. And our feature members, it was me because you were I don't have trapped time in the to office right now. Yeah, other than fending off bites. Right now, and- I'm fending off bites and kicks to the face and punches and. It's great, Who and cares? I love Enjoy it. Enjoy your cocktail. For shiz. Enjoy your, your roasted chickens tomorrow night. Mm. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Seriously, Thomas doing, Keller and Anthony Bourdain. It's the way to go, doing people. doing great work. Thank but, you. But for now, this has been an episode of the Red Arrow Health and Wellness Podcast. Actually, it's been our 33rd episode. Ooh. I think fancy. it's our 33rd. Yeah, 33rd episode. And... <laughs> It has been our epic fail episode, which Yay! I think has been a success. I think success. so, too. I, think I can people... barely say success at this point. Mm-mm. We had fun with the cocktails I think tonight. people will really like this episode. And if you didn't, go enjoy episode 32, which is about autumn cocktails, and you'll forget all about this exactly. one. Exactly. But for now, Jessica, it's been fun. Loads of fun, Marco. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.